1: Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy, the host of this fine program. Today I've got Cam Barry with me. TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon. We now turn the page towards a look ahead of Auburn and Texas AM coming up on Saturday. We'll start to preview that one. We'll also continue to, or start to look ahead at some of the other matchups this weekend. Also, talk a little bit of NFL today and recap this last week. Start to go towards this next week with Joe Bartle of Rotowire, who will join us at 5 at 15 today. And so excited to talk to Joe for our weekly chat. Of course, we'll have all your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free 1-888-9 Tiger 9. Ryan and Cam with you here on this Wednesday. Cam, hope you had a great first part of your week. Hope you're doing well today.
2: Yeah, doing great. Uh, just, just you know, having an enjoyable week. Been doing a lot of work down in Montgomery, trying to get get a get another show up and running. So, uh, really been focused on that. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed uh, the weekend of sports. Uh, my first show since then. So, um, I liked what I saw from the Auburn Sanford game. I I uh, really. Um, I said on Friday I wanted to see a lot of pass attempts, and I got a lot of pass attempts. So um, I, I'm perfectly happy with uh, how everything played out. I know Peyton threw a couple picks. The first one was a tip ball. The second one obviously was a bad decision, and and Hugh Freeze said that. Um, but you know, live and learn, and. and that's just a part of getting comfortable. That's kind of what I chalked that up to. Um, that's just a, a part of knowing the offense and knowing where your guys are and, and who's open. And obviously it was pretty clear he had Jair Shorter coming across the middle down down underneath. And uh, that would have been a, an easy completion with a lot of yards after. So uh, obviously you live and you learn if you're Peyton Thorne. But I loved what I saw. Um, and then I loved the mixing in of Robbie in the third quarter as well um in, in the package that we've referenced multiple times and so i was glad to see that i'm glad that auburn got the win uh let's just hope that um uh, auburn is able to get healthy for this texas a&m game but i'm doing great uh falcons got another win so 2-0 and on the season and um we'll we'll talk with uh joe bartle and i my my falcons beat his packers so um was very happy to see that and um let's just build on it uh, the falcons go to detroit to play the lions next week or this week so uh ready to ready to see that and and i'm excited uh but yeah i'm, I'm doing great great wednesday
1: yeah, absolutely. Get to the midway point of the week and again you know, we'll be turning our attention throughout this show. It's towards Auburn and Texas A and M and the the first absolutely. real tests and also there's just so many uh So many big games in college football that have to break down uh, coming into this week. There's several top 25 matchups, I think six or seven of them, and another one like Ford State-Clemson just outside of it. And so uh, a lot of big games to preview this weekend. Uh, We're going to go ahead and go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today,
0: Real Deal from Coosa County.
1: Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you this afternoon?
0: In. I'm doing good
3: man. I am just uh sitting here this thinking, I don't know where to start. Uh, first of all, how y'all think I was gonna look against A and M.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, what's going to be really interesting is for the offensive side of things, we were talking to Justin Ferguson yesterday. He was talking about a and struggles and pass defense against Miami. It's going to be interesting that a lot of that was coming out of slot receivers, which is something that Auburn feels a little bit better about what they've seen with the likes of Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson. So I think that that's going to be a really important matchup for Auburn to take advantage of as their slot receivers making Big plays. And then defensively, I'm interested to see Connor Wegman because he's off to a pretty good start this year. He played well against Miami despite a couple turnovers, uh, having a better season than what uh, the the small sample size we saw out of him last year. And uh, they did they have been putting up points with Bobby Petrino in that offense. So I wonder how they're going to be situationally. Uh, and how they're going to be with turnovers. And the opportunity for Auburn to force turnovers will certainly be there. Uh, But I I really think that these quarterbacks trying to take advantage of of certain things will be uh, an interesting matchup.
3: Well, I'm going to say this. If if, if Auburn, if they can get a win over A&M, Georgia should be a big game. I told you guys – a week or so ago, that Georgia is not that good. South Carolina shot all the bullets in the first half and they just didn't over it in the second half. And that uh, quarterback for Georgia, not that impressive to me. They are uh, running backs, not too good. They uh, held uh, Mark Bowles down for a while. He's over the wheel so far. And Alabama, just like I told you all about Alabama. Nick Saban. I forgot to tell you, the the week. I'm in here, nobody mentioned on the show, he's had either a first or second-round quarterback in the NFL. He lost all those guys. Now, he was willing to go out on the limb and play those other two quarterbacks, and Miro was his only choice, because uh, the offensive line is a joke, and the defense is not that great. Uh, our floor just wasn't that good, and like I've been telling y'all, South Alabama beat somebody, and they say sitting on ESPN. Oh, that's an upset. No, I'm going to keep telling you. I know y'all got your thoughts on the transfer portal, but I'm telling you guys, and I'm going to hang up and get your comments. The transfer portal is even like college football. And I'm going to tell you again, I'm going to say them like a dead horse. I'm going to say it over and over. They're paying these guys now. And Georgia, I'm going to tell you this about them again. Georgia getting all these top recruits and everything. Guys, I played at the high school level. I never played at the college level. But they don't have but one football. And all these fall stars coming in here wants to play. It's transferred to different schools. And once again, Oregon, I don't know what they're going to do with Dion Santa's them, but you know what I'm saying? proven that the transfer portal is even our college football. It's just even it out. And, and, you know, y'all can give me thoughts on that, but once again, the transfer portal is even our college football, and a lot of people are still failing to understand these guys are getting paid now. They're, they're, they're getting paid. And I talked to a guy that goes to – a junior college, and he said it's almost like the NFL now. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a draft now. It's almost not like college football no more. And he said he hates college football now. He plays on a junior college team. He's, he hates it now because so many schools are getting so many good players and nobody is realizing these guys are getting paid now. So, Every game I've been seeing and watching, it surprise me. it's not an upset. This college football is even out. I'm going to hand up and get you guys' comment. I know you got other callers. War Eagle.
1: War Eagle, appreciate that phone call, real deal. Yeah, uh, he's continued to talk a lot about transfer portal. Cam, want to get your thoughts because I've already responded at a time or two. So want uh, want to hear from you what you think.
2: Yeah, I actually do agree to an extent that that uh, the transfer portal has, has transfer portal and NIL has really evened out um, college football. I I I won't say fully and completely, but we've got a lot more teams that have the ability to compete, um, and and you know we've seen some pretty decent upsets as well so far this season even um but yeah i mean overall i i do think it has evened out just a little bit i won't i won't say that the top teams still don't have you know they have more money so they'll they still have the opportunities uh are afforded more opportunities in in paying these players than say the likes of of the smaller schools but for the most part i would say that it has evened out college football i i would i would overall agree
1: so i i would say that again I have in no way said that portal does not matter or it's not a a, a chunk of it at all. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, it, I will, but I will continue to beat my dead horse yeah. that it's still more about the high school recruiting for now. Yeah. and I and I say for now. Well, I mean, look, I i you know, I obviously you can. Change your dynamic greatly in the portal. Right. You have the ability to do that, and DeHaan has done that. And even if they finish eight and four and just kind of fade away a little bit because they don't beat the Oregon's and the USC, <laughs> they went from time one time, win dude. to eight yeah, win, right? So major. It, it's still a big, uh, big return for them. But the teams that are still on top of the college football world right now. Which Georgia's still number one. I know Real Deal says that they're not that good. Well, someone's good because yeah. not not everyone stinks. It's relative just, to I, a degree. Yeah, I, I, um, I get
2: what he's saying. Right. Though. I mean, for sure. I mean, for them. I to, mean,
1: they they don't look as good as last no, year. They sure, don't. but last year they were great. Right. I mean, awesome and and sense. Um, I I would say that. You're still looking at the top teams in the country yeah, are still sure. there based off of their high school recruiting, sure. not their not their portal recruiting. Um, they're still the teams that have been recruiting the top three, top five, top seven, etc. cetera, and that you have been able to see cases where teams are obviously performing well and performing a little bit above average or having a bigger climb, that sort of thing because of yeah. the portal. But that's still not made a national champion yet. Right. And it's still early in this, so again, I'm not saying that it won't ever and and anything like that, but I still think that without a foundation of high school players, you're not going to be able to be consistent enough, and especially not towards the top be consistent enough. Right. And so, sure, the great programs will still fill in needs based off a of portal, and they'll still be able to fill in some gaps, and, and that's why Alabama's having an issue right now because they did have a couple gaps mainly at quarterback and they did not fill that in successfully and that is causing a problem right now we'll find out I think a lot more about Alabama this year when they or this week when they play Ole Miss right. and and where they're actually going to stack up in the SEC and if this is actually the beginning of the end or if this was a you know, an illusion against Texas. But they clearly have some real problems and they're right. clearly not going to go out there and just have this amazing you know, team that looks like a bunch of world beaters. That's clearly not them this year. So in that sense, they've already taken a step back uh, for this team. But again, I, I, I'm not trying to say the portal doesn't matter. I'm just simply saying I don't think it's it's everything or even the most important thing if you are a program that is towards the top. If you're a program towards the bottom, I think the portal does temporarily for a year or two become the most important thing because you do look at Colorado and you do look at what Auburn did when they brought in 20 or 25, whatever the, the final number was, players from the portal. But it's not Hugh Freeze saying, hey, if we get our portal classes in 24 or 25, great. We're going to end up being in a good spot. It's we, if we get our recruiting classes. Right. And then he mentions this week in the press conference where A&M, LSU, Georgia have ranked in recruiting the last three years, that they're all in the top five to six every single year, et cetera. So that part of it is still the most important thing. Can that pendulum continue to shift towards the middle? Sure. I've reserved the right to think that it can. Uh, and, And absolutely, the success stories for a handful or two of teams out of the portal are valuable. But I still think that... Uh, the recruiting part of it is you, what you have to focus on first and then fill in your gaps, fill in your needs based off the portal. We're going to go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, uh, 334-887-3401 locally, toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up,
0: Michael from Auburn.
1: Michael is with us. Michael, how are you this afternoon?
0: Doing good, guys. I have some little
4: quick questions I'll try to get. Do you think that the Texas A&M game, you think that that is a – the winner can kind of lock up the recruitment for the wide receiver at us, uh Central Phoenix City, or do you think we can still get him with a loss?
1: Uh, I think they can still get him with a loss if A and M has a bad season and replaces Jimbo. I think it's I think it's all about what ends up happening with that offensive coaching staff and with Jimbo. Uh, I think that if Auburn loses but A&M still goes 6-6 six and six or something, uh, because Fisher's been there for so long, obviously the job security is questionable. And if he gets removed, I think that's what it's about. Whereas, you know, if Auburn wins, I just think that aids A&M towards having to make that decision. So I don't necessarily look at it as this is a whoever wins I'm going to, to play for. I think it's more about since he's already made that, you know, in air quotes commitment to Texas A&M – I think it's about can they retain their offensive staff? Can they play well enough throughout this year to keep Jimbo Fisher as the coach? And if they do, I think he'll end up going to A and M. But if they don't, then I think he could very well end up at Auburn. Uh,
4: and then my second point with with Bo Nix, uh he would have if he would have stayed at Auburn with his numbers he put up, because I know that's kind of you know different because I think he put up higher numbers at Oregon than he possibly would at Auburn. But he would have been. Auburn's
1: all-time, he would have broken Stan White's record, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he would have broken think, a lot sure. of stuff, career and individually, and yeah. And do you think the
4: comparison that the way he was treated and the way that Bama treated Jalen Hurts
1: when they left, do you think it's it's justified? Do you think it was the same or a little skewed there? can you make that comparison? That's an interesting question. Uh, when I look at their success at their second schools, I. To me, a lot of it is because that the situation that they were in became untenable in a certain way, especially with Her- – I mean, Hurts would not have played, so he had to go somewhere else if he wanted to start, and then he goes to Riley, who's obviously great with quarterbacks, and he becomes what he is. He unlocks the second level to himself. With Bo and Auburn, you know, there was – there was it's so it's so it's so hard to tell because there was always flashes each year he played there'd be a couple games where it was like this is the guy that was a five-star player that was kind of the chosen one to lead Auburn to a, a great season and so in some respects you'd like to think that somehow some way it would have happened but I'm of the opinion that there was just a little too much negativity there was too many things that um, I don't know if it was really pressure-related because I don't think he necessarily caved under pressure or anything like that. There's just so many things that were going both negatively and positively that he needed to kind of get out of the fray and to get to a situation where there wasn't going to be as much noise, that could still be a successful and and, and uh, very good program, but just without the expectation, without the constant murmuring and that sort of thing. So I think those situations are similar in that, even though those talents were very good, I don't think they would have ever achieved their full potential at their at Alabama nor at Auburn because of the, the situation at play and that sort of thing. But that, that is an interesting interesting thought. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, obviously, Bo Nix is a transfer portal guy. He's a big reason why Oregon is Successful. where they are right yeah, now. So, I sure. mean, that, that's another feather in the transfer portal cap. Caleb Williams at USC certainly, Michael Penix at Washington. The Pac-12 is is full of them, uh, and so those schools are nipping on the heels of the schools that I'm referring to, like the Ohio states and the Georgias and yeah. Michigans that have been recruiting and, and that sort of thing. But uh, again, there's no doubt it matters. Again, that's I, I don't want ever I don't want real deal to think I don't think it matters. Uh, I just think that you also can't ignore. Uh, the recruiting aspect of it—if you're going to be consistent—if you live and die by the portal, you live and die by guys being unhappy with other situations and looking for the grass being greener. And and over time, my thought would still be that that would just lead to wildly inconsistent results. So you, it boiled down to uh, well. They did, it, it it almost it felt professional. He mentioned professional. Yeah. It feel professional. Well, we didn't get free agents this year, right? Yeah, like uh, free the, the free agent class wasn't <laughs> as good. You know, oh, I mean, seriously, like if yeah. Auburn because Auburn was looking for a quarterback, right, and they end up with Peyton Thorne, They they wanted Grayson McCall, that didn't work out. He went back to Coastal, you know, and Devin Leary goes to Kentucky. We're still trying to evaluate him because Kentucky's been weirdly bad right. so far, but his numbers are not bad. <laughs> uh, you know. If a bigger quarterback comes available that Auburn's able to land, does that change the dynamic of this team further? Or, you know, Auburn ends up with with Thorne who seems like it was again a decent decent get for sure right. and and changed people's expectation by a game or so what if there's someone even lesser than that that Auburn ended up having to take you know and it was just it was just Ashford versus a TJ Finley caliber player for the job right and yeah. then, then that changes your expectations even further down to about a 6 and 6 and so I, again that that part of it will get concerning if you only build through portal and that's why i'm saying that you might be able to have these one-off situations where you might be able to do things a certain way but even for lincoln riley it's like he's been pretty successful at the portal guys but at some point there's gonna come a time they won't get a portal guy they will have they will have to develop their own guy at some point uh, and then what happens when when that has to occur. So that that's interesting. It's, the great news is we're only a couple, year, a couple years into it, and so we're going to be learning a lot in the coming years. But uh, I certainly still think it matters. Again, I'm saying, though, it's better to fill in with that than to fill everything. We're going to go to our first timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi
5: my name is what my name is my name is
0: (coughs) sports call on tiger 95.9 follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call AU.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. want to remind you that coming up in just a couple of hours, the High School Coaches Show with Mr. Brooks Childress at 6 o'clock right here on Tiger 95.9. That'll run until 8 or 830 uh, and uh, you can go visit them at the End Zone Bar and Grill. It's going to be a good time out there as we starting to get towards the middle weeks of high school football here in 2023. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free 888 eight nine tiger nine to call us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Next up today,
0: James from Montgomery. James is
1: with us. James, I hope your trip to Florida went well. Good to talk to you today.
0: Oh, no, no, no.
5: It will be this coming up Friday. So I'm actually trying to squeeze in a little bit of time for you guys.
1: Okay. Well, uh, it's coming up this weekend. Then, Well, nevertheless, hope you're doing well today.
5: Yeah, I'm actually doing well. Um, I've been covering a lot of sports over uh, the past uh, couple of weeks. And um, I've seen some uh, great things coming out of Auburn last week when we played against uh Stanford, and um, that was a really good game that uh, Peyton Thornton actually did. Um, I was listening to the game on my phone and I think that this is a this is a true Auburn team that I'm actually looking at to actually making it to the college football playoffs this coming up uh, year.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about that in, in year one. I mean, certainly still can as they're undefeated, but uh, you know they're, they're going to have a really tough road here the next few weeks with some of the most talented mm-hmm. and best teams in the league. But this would be a very interesting game to get. If they can get the A&M game, I think the, the prognosis for the season looks much better and uh, certainly going to be even more than just a, a bowl team. And so uh, this is a very interesting game for the tra- trajectory of the season for both Texas AM and and Auburn. But uh, even with the win, I mean, that Georgia and LSU stretch right after that, it's going to be incredibly difficult. So uh, I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out this weekend, though.
5: Yes, as well, because I was watching Auburn and Sanford, and then when it was halftime for our game, I um, turned over to uh, Texas A&M and uh, watching their game and uh, studying their their uh, quarterbacks and uh, seeing what we're going to do, how we're going to do to stop uh, their new quarterback that they have for Texas A&M. And I think this is going to, be a t- it's going to be a tough road for Auburn. So this is going to be like, I'm, I'm actually in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this going to be the Auburn team that I've looked at from 2013, or is this going to be the Auburn team that I've looked at when Bo Nix or, uh, you know, some other quarterbacks have been playing in, in, in Auburn's, um, you know, great years Uh, when we played against Texas A&M as well.
1: Yeah, uh, A&M obviously uh, comes into this. They've played a couple of weaker teams, as Auburn has. Uh, They did lose to Miami, though, in Week 2, but I think Miami would be a Mm -hmm. little above above the quality of Cal. But still, I think that uh, there's still real questions with them. Their defense giving up 48 points to Miami. I also think that uh, ultimately – when we're, when we're looking at Auburn's season, again, they've played three of their five or six weakest opponents so far or, or what's going to play out that way in the season. Only the likes of Vandy and New Mexico State would be below the competition level they played so far. So, again, that's why it gets kind of hard to, to figure out everything that uh, is going to happen here. But, again, certainly looking forward to it.
5: Yes, that's all because I'm going to be watching this game this weekend and I'm going to be looking at um, old Miss and Georgia – and uh Vanderbilt because I know we'll we will be playing those games uh later on in, in the season as well. And um when I'm actually looking at between Alabama and Old Miss, I mean this is not the Alabama team that Alabama fans would actually look at. This is not like the Jalen Hurt Alabama or the Bryce Young team or uh you know or or the uh Greg McElroy uh year when when he was at Alabama, but I think I think Lane Kiffin, I think he's going to come out with the win, and I think that Ole Miss is actually going to have Alabama's numbers, you know, on, on paper, and I think this is going to be a good game for uh, for Lane Kiffin to to actually go into uh, you know Bryant Dennis Stadium and actually beat his um, his former. Uh, boss at Alabama, so I think this will be Alabama's third loss of the season as well.
1: Yeah, so they have one loss right now, not not two yet, but uh, we'll we'll see if Ole Miss can be the the second. And I think it is a big game for Ole Miss and and Alabama, and and the again uh, so early in the season, these games can often define. The, the track that these teams take. If Alabama is able to right the ship, they might still win the West and, and still have a good year. Uh, or if Ole Miss is able to win, it could really signal the beginning of the end for Alabama and and Ole Miss could have their biggest win and they would be in a great shape to try and win the SEC West. Them versus LSU would be uh, an incredible game to decide that. So there's a lot on the line and, and I would also say if not now, then win for, for Ole Miss because there's a lot of things set up for it.
5: Yes, as well, because with uh, Lane Kiffin being the new head coach at Ole Miss, I mean, he has some uh, ties with uh, Nick Saban as well, because I know they're they, were, they were, um, at one point in time, I think, uh, Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban, I know they're good, close friends from time to time, but now this is going to be, you know, this is actually going to be a, a, good, um, a good moment to see Who's going to actually come out on top? Will it be Nick Saban and trying to make it an eight championship for Alabama? Or will this be Lane Kiffin's first time winning against his former boss uh, that is at Alabama
1: as well? And we shall see on Saturday. What else is on your mind today?
5: Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some other games Uh, This coming up weekend, I'm going to be looking at some games in the ACC. I'm looking at North Carolina and seeing if they're going to make it to the ACC uh, National Championship. And I think North Carolina is is a really, the the Tar Heels, they're looking really good from last week. But I'm going to see how they're going to do this week. So I'm just going to see how they're going to play their games out this week. And um, if they can make it to the the ACC uh, Championship game as well.
1: Yeah, North Carolina is at Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh this week to, to start their ACC season, and uh, as you alluded to, Clemson losing the Duke uh, will certainly open some things up in the ACC. Uh, I'm I'm proud of how North Carolina's played so far. That was a big win over South Carolina to start the year, but uh, still I think Florida State would be really tough to beat, and then it it might end up that that North Carolina-Duke game, especially if Clemson loses to Florida State, that North Carolina-Duke game might decide who's the uh, second ACC championship participant. So it could be a very big year for the Tar Heels. We'll see.
5: Yes, that's all because uh, North Carolina, uh, I'm looking at this North Carolina team, and I think they're going to really do it. Really good, and um, you know, push push their team to a net to a, uh, ACC uh, playoff game. So I just have to see what the ACC is actually going to do this year.
1: Yeah, it could be some crazy stuff going on in the ACC. We shall see.
5: Yes, that's saw, well. and then with week three of the NFL actually coming up this Sunday, I'm just going to see uh, how things are going to look for my Cowboys because we're we will be playing a tough team at home. Well, on the road we go to Arizona. So the Arizona Cardinals. I don't see. That's gonna be a tar, that's gonna be a hard toss up because I don't want to say that my Cowboys are gonna lose because we already we already got two wins under our belt as well. So I think this game is gonna be an easy game for Dak Prescott and uh, T. D. Lamb. So I think these are. This is actually going to be a, a good year for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys organization to actually win and uh, make it to the Super Bowl as well.
1: Yeah, actually Dallas is the heaviest favorite of the entire weekend uh, against Arizona. They're, they're favored by 12 points on the road. So I really like Dallas's chances to go 3-0. They've looked really, really good the first two weeks. I understand that the Jets and Giants – have some offensive issues right now, especially the Jets after the Aaron Rodgers injury, but that Dallas defense looks to be tremendous, and, and they're going to be a really good football team this year.
5: Yes, as well, because I did uh, do my fantasy lineup for this game, and i actually picked some great guys on my fantasy uh, roster as well, so I'm just going to see how some of these guys are actually going to do. Um, I picked uh, St. Bixby, so I looked at him last week, and I'm going to see how he's going to do this week with the New York Jets. I meant the the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, seeing if he's going to give me some fantasy points this year. And then with the New Orleans Saints, I looked at them last Sunday and seeing their kicker uh, from Auburn, uh, Cody Parkey. I just picked him up in the in the last few minutes of the of the opening round, so I picked him up as well. And uh, I'm just going to see how how Cody, how Cody Parkey is actually going to do as
1: well. Okay, interesting there. I didn't know he was on the Saints, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I think with uh, Bigsby, though, I certainly think that he did not have much of a role last week, and hopefully he he goes back to having a a big week this week because I know he scored the uh, the touchdown in week one. So hopefully he has a bigger role, but uh, we'll see what Jacksonville has in mind.
5: Yes, as well. And then with the uh, WMBA playoff, um, I'm very, very excited of seeing my Dallas Wings last night. Uh, they really did a an amazing job beating the Atlanta Dream uh, 101 to like, it was like 101 to 97, actually.
1: Yeah, I think they might have won by I think they won by more than that, but the the moral of the story is they did advance in the WNBA playoffs, and I'm sure you're very excited.
5: Yes, as well, so I'm just going to see um who's going to actually play tonight. So I'm actually going to see, um, uh, the Minnesota Lynx and the, uh, Connecticut sun. So I'm going to be watching their game very closely. And then, um, I'm actually watching, uh, you know, the New York Liberty and, uh, seeing what, uh, Sabrina Unescu is going to do. So I'm, I'm actually looking at, um, I'm looking at like a Dallas or I'm looking at Dallas wing and, uh, the New York Liberty actually meeting up in the NBA, in the WNBA Finals, and I think that the Dallas Wings would take uh, they will take the New York Liberty on a, on a high ride when it comes to to the end as well.
1: Oh yeah, you're gonna put them on your wings and fly them off to an L. Nell. Uh, I see what you did there. All right, yeah, J- all right, James. Well, we are about out of time with you. Any final thoughts today?
5: I don't have any final thoughts, but um, last week was homecoming weekend, and I was uh, actually going to be getting some homecoming trivia, so I'll probably take that on
1: Thursday as well. Okay, we will uh, try to get you some homecoming trivia tomorrow then. All right. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take one more time out here in this three o'clock hour. Back with more right after this. Oh, oh,
0: Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to
5: Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Barry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate TP Hammock for hanging out, we're on the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon. Uh, we're going to go through real quickly here some AP Top 25 from this past week because this is going to set the stage for the matchups that we're about to talk about uh, where or, or at least about to in the context of some in this show, some throughout the next couple of days because there was a, a, a fair amount of movement uh, because of a couple of key upsets right. really involving the SEC, right. as we talked about yesterday. So I oh. want to update this and the stage that it sets for this week of college football. So Georgia's still number one, Michigan number two. Texas moves up one to three, uh, which, by the way, three quarters. Uh, didn't go hmm. great against Wyoming, but they, they figured it out the fourth. Florida State is fourth, USC fifth, Ohio State sixth, Penn State seven, Washington eight, Notre Dame nine. No movement in that grouping. Oregon moves up three to 10. Utah is 11, LSU is 12, Bama moves down 3 to 13, Oregon State's 14, Ole Miss moves up 2 to 15, Oklahoma 3 to 16, Carolina 3 to 17, Duke 3 to 18, Colorado down 1 to 19, Miami up 2 to 20, Wazoo, Washington State 21, UCLA up 2 to 22, Tennessee down 12 to 23. Iowa up one, to 24. Florida is ranked 25. Clemson still the first team yet to be ranked. They're 26. Missouri, for the record, would be 27 after they beat Kansas State who is now 28. Auburn now has one vote to be ranked. And I think that puts them approximately 38th, 37th is what it looks like on here. So, that sets the stage for a grouping of games this weekend, where last weekend was only going to be entertaining if college football, college football, it, and it football, it did, it football, it so did, uh, because there was nothing on paper. <clears throat> Again, not try this is don't no one take this as Dion hate whatsoever, please. Okay, please do that. Fine. (laughs) But when a game that is a ranked team versus an unranked Mountain West school that has a 20 something point spread is one of the games that you look most forward to in the weekend, that usually does not lend itself to being a very good weekend. However, not only was that game incredibly close, you again had the upset of Florida over Tennessee in the swamp. You had the surprise of Missouri Harrison Mevis refining what it means to make an important field goal at the end of the game, (laughs) uh, making a Uh, 61-yarder. You had uh, some weirdly bad Alabama performance. You had uh, Georgia and South Carolina be incredibly competitive. So you had some good stuff throughout the weekend or throughout the day. Uh, I guess before we turn the page to that, Cam, what stood out to you from Saturday and is there anything big picture that feels relevant out of Saturday? So,
2: um, I, I I enjoyed I I enjoyed the K State and uh, and Mizzou game. Uh, that was that was a good one, and and the kicker hitting that sixty one yarder, and especially after his performance in Auburn last year, um, we knew he was a good kicker. He was I mean he was really he really had been good. all yeah, SEC yeah. right. He was a really really good kicker, and he had that reputation even last year. Um, so but i mean i mean he booted that 61 yard through and i mean it had zero doubt when it came off yeah. the leg i mean i i was like oh, well it has the distance just see if he has the accuracy he put it right through it was a great kick and uh i mean you know good good for Drinkowitz and and that you know that team i mean that's a that's a signature win whether you know however you want to look at it they were kansas state was ranked 15th in the nation at the time so uh that that's major uh major win for him uh at in the at mizzou and then um, uh, man, I I was I was disappointed by Georgia by by their by their performance. You know, I know they struggled in the first half and and went on to score like three straight times unanswered in the second half. But still, man, you you know you're the number one team in the nation. They just don't look as dominant as they used to be. And that was at home. That was not at South Carolina. That was at home. That was in Athens. So you're wondering if. I mean I don't I don't have very high expectations for the game against Georgia the week after next obviously can't look too far ahead but um, I mean you know two thirty game in Jordan hare that I mean that's dangerous any way you want to put it. Uh, it is is if Auburn's able to just be a decently competent football team and and move the ball relatively well obviously the Georgia defense is still going to be something to behold um, but. Still, that that's something to to think about, something to look at, especially if they can put a, if Auburn is able to put on a decent performance in uh, in College Station. You, I mean, that's definitely going to be a game that's absolutely going to be circled, and a lot of people are going to be watching. Um, outside of just the fact that it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry, it, it'll 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 be a game that could have some serious implications uh, down the road um and, and then you know the colorado colorado state game was something uh, was just a magnificent game i mean you know colorado seemed to struggle throughout the the most of it and and it's crazy because a rivalry game it just you could just throw a lot of things out the window when it comes to a rivalry game and and that's exactly what that was with with colorado and colorado state i mean they uh, Colorado State kind of probably felt a little bit of disrespect Colorado heard the comments from the the Colorado head Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell and all the things that went into that and so it I mean it was a it was a a, a rock fight to say yeah. the least <laughs> um, I hate the Travis Hunter got hurt I hate that real bad I don't I did not like that hit at all I thought the players should have should have been kicked for the game um, I I know you know he got the the death threats and all that stuff that's way over the top. Um, And I think a lot of people would agree with that.
1: But uh, Everyone should agree with that. Yeah, (laughs) well, should agree with that. (laughs) You're right. Right, should (laughs) agree with that.
2: Um, But still, the game was fantastic. Uh, I hate that Colorado's not going to have... Uh, Travis Hunter against Oregon I, mean, I hate that they're not going to have him against USC because I mean he's got a last-rated lacerated liver. He's out for three weeks so yeah they, I mean that's that's an that is a weapon on both sides of the ball that Dion has has lost and and so it, it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust they obviously still have plenty of talent but uh, losing Travis Hunter I mean that's a that's a major major blow. Um, but I loved the slate. I, I mean, college—it was just college football, man. Yeah. It, was, it was great. I loved it. Um, did it mess with my college football pick? of course. But that's sure. fine. Yeah. That's fine. Mayhem. You know, mayhem. It is what it is. It's college football, so I enjoyed it. It was—it was a great slate. That—that uh, that game to end the night was absolutely magnificent. I could not tear my eyes away, and so yeah, it was—it was—it was a lot of fun.
1: It was another, and we did. I didn't, I didn't haven't really mentioned this game because yesterday I talked a lot about Tennessee and the implications for the East and how
2: I didn't even get uh, to that game. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean that that game matters a lot. It, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, even the again the the even with the Missouri uh, game, you still had a fairly unsuccessful week for the league. Yeah, because Florida, you know, is not gonna gonna have any ceiling, but Tennessee did, and now Tennessee's already in trouble. Womp, womp. You have a situation where, yes, Missouri gets you a good win but then arkansas loses at home to BYU that's a BYU team they beat yep. last year at at uh, in provo blah, blah. so that that's a that's a disappointing turn of events uh even at the very bottom of the league league vandy losing a, you know to unlv just every part of the of the league has had um every part of the league has had a a bugaboo yeah. you've had teams well, yeah. at the very top like LSU and Alabama lose big non-conference games. Right. You've had teams in the middle lose games that, like South Carolina to North Carolina, or are now Arkansas to BYU, and you've had teams at the bottom uh, take losses or not look good and that sort of thing. And uh, that's and yeah, what bro. what that's going to cause is the likely scenario. I think that. None of these West teams, unless Ole Miss can do it, will come into the conference title game with just one loss. Because Alabama could, say, lose to – I don't know. Say they still messed up and lost to Tennessee. Say right. Melbourne was awesome or something. Right. But they won the West still at 7-1. They're 10-2. They're and two. That's going to be interesting where they're going to be ranked how the other teams would be ranked. Yeah. Um, LSU, say they – this all oh, this Ole Miss pass. So say Ole Miss beats one of those two teams, either LSU or Bama, but then they've got one loss from those two teams. And say they mess up and lose to Auburn again, or something, you know, something not A and Just right. like you start something to yeah. bleed some middle. Uh, actually, I don't have to tell you that. Ole Miss say they beat beat Alabama, Alabama. for their second loss, right. lose to LSU, but then lose Georgia. Yeah. So the Ole Miss got two losses. Yep. And then LSU had that loss from. Like I just described with Ole Miss, or or excuse me, from Florida State. But say they lost the Bama game, right? And then they've all got two losses. All got two losses. And it's a bunch of chaos. (sighs) And it's the cannibalization that used to happen in the Pac 12. Now, I still think these teams are better than the Pac 12s of a year past. But I'm just saying that, you know, what Tony was talking about, where no one's really that good, again, I don't necessarily agree with that. I still think it's relative. But. There by. is a a smaller margin, smaller, yeah, and this is where he was talking about with even things out. Where if there is a smaller margin, there is the possibility that you have more chaos and you have more losses and teams that are close losing. And so the SEC's just had a rough go. first few weeks. <laughs> yeah, they've had it, a rough go of it. The most encouraging stuff long term has been that Texas looks good. Yeah, and Oklahoma looks like it's right, it's coming gonna be, back. Yeah, going to
2: be fine because
1: they will be in the league next year and help this league out because for the record, why I'm talking about this, I don't want – I'm a person that does in general. I won't root for Alabama and Georgia. But in general, I will root for SEC teams playing non-SEC teams. I am that person. And the reason is, is it behooves you, especially in a bigger playoff, to want the SEC to be – Represented higher. Exactly. And be be shown as clearly the top.
2: Because the stronger the league, if you're on top of that really strong league – Guaranteed to right. get in. And you, if, even if you're in like the middle tier of a really strong league, there's still a chance that you might yeah. be able to get into and, this 12 team playoff. And so,
1: with the SEC as it's acting right now, no, it's not the top Ooh. this year. <laughs> and that hurts you if that goes into next year and the year after, that hurts the amount of playoff bids and that hurts the perception and all that. So, that's why I'm like, yeah, you know, this is actually disappointing to me because I'm talking in the summer about. I sound like LeBron. Not three, not four, not not five. You know how many teams (laughs) are getting in the playoff? Well, if you were to have a twelve-team playoff this year, you know George will end up making it. Right. But then you're just like, I surely you know someone will figure it out between Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU. But I would have told you preseason that you would definitely get. LSU and Alabama in, and then right. you'd be trying to sneak a fourth in like Ole Miss Absolutely. or Tennessee or something. If it was a 12-team playoff, which I know this is just a the theoretical, if it was 12-team playoff, you're fighting for just two. At that point, you will get a second. some will emerge, but then I, I can't promise you more than two. And I don't want it to be that way when we actually get to this thing just next year. So that was my moral of the story. We are out of time here for the first hour of the show. More big college football thoughts coming up in hour number two as we start to preview Auburn, Texas A&M. We'll take a look about. How the Aggie season has gone so far. Some matchups to look out for. And again, a little bit later, we'll talk some NFL. And we'll have Joe Bartle on of Roto-Wire at 515 to discuss this week in fantasy. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Nothing to see here. You're gold. Uh, I turn off and on very quickly. Uh, but appreciate TP Hammock for on the board taking your phone calls today. We'll be back at the Orthopedic Clinic phone line here in just a moment. Hour number two starting off, though, uh, with a little Auburn and a as we transition into what we saw from the Sanford game to what we might see about a And M, you know, I think that what's so interesting about Texas a And M is it's a battle of a gut feeling where Dude. you choose yeah. to either accept the fact that their talent could get them somewhere, or you choose to see believe what you've seen the last year plus and say that there's just too much of a disconnect in the coaching staff and these players and the development process and all that. It's what makes it really difficult because if you just looked at a sheet of paper at the the talent this team should be in that conversation we were just having about the West with Absolutely. Bama and Ole Miss and LSU. They should be in that conversation. They, In fact, with all those teams having a problem early in the year, especially Bama and LSU, if you were just looking at paper, you'd say, okay, A&M's primed. But then you actually see it play on the field, and you see them give up 48 points to Miami, and you see them play better offensively. Like I, 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 some people are kind of maybe underrating Connor Wegman. I think Wegman's played really well at the start yeah, of this relatively. year. Uh, he did have the turnovers against Miami, but so over 300 yard passer per game so far this year. So I think that's an interesting challenge. But it's almost I, I described it last week after they lost Miami. It's it's the clearest simplest analogy that anyone could use but it's just the, it's the boat in the ocean that has a leak and you fix one leak and then another one springs up and another one springs up and you're just trying to you know stretch yourself out to cover off the, all the holes and eventually the ship just succumbs and Yeah, that's what it feels like for them
2: honestly yeah for for them it just seems like it's just a different problem you know, every week or every year that we're thinking about and talking about Texas A&M and the expectations always start out relatively high and then they kind of end up like, ah, well, I mean, last year they were at, at, at an all time low by the end of the season. So, you know, go into this season, you expected them just to straight up be better um, as, as uh, Jimbo Fisher as a whole. The, I mean, they have talent all over the roster and that's that's there's no disputing that. It's just, it just seems like the coaching can't seem to get out of their own way, and so you you wonder if that's going to be the ultimate downfall for how Texas A and M um, ends their season, and how long you know the how long Jimbo Fisher is going to be allowed to hang around, and, and how that buyout is always looming, and obviously it's a lot a lot of money, um, so so it, it's something to just always be in the back of in the back of your mind of how long it's going to take for. Texas A&M and if if Jimbo Fisher is not able to figure it out this season then you know what is what's it going to take when when's when's it going to be you know unacceptable at that point so I I do wonder that in the back of my mind um and and so that's why I'm I'm very you know when I'm picking and talking about this game with Auburn it's just like uh, I'm very unsure yeah, because I know that Auburn has their you know has their problems and their downfalls, but then it's also it's just it's Texas A and M. I just don't know, you know. I just I just don't know. I I'm very very unsure and up in the air. I know I don't have to give a prediction until Friday, so I'm gonna wait till Friday to
1: give a prediction yeah.
2: because I just I have I have nothing. I just I'm just very very unsure right now.
1: Currently, A and M is favored by seven right, and a half at home. Is, yeah, for sure. Uh, you look at the schedule again, trying not to. I belabor the point of how important this is for them. But uh, if they lose this to get down 2-2, two and two. yes, maybe they feel better about Arkansas after Arkansas losing to BYU, which, by the way, Arkansas and Mississippi State changing their offense is just not a good idea, and it's not working out so far. But A&M still has Alabama at Tennessee, South Carolina at Ole Miss, should be fine against Mississippi State. They'll beat Abilene Christian. But you can see pretty quickly, and, of course, LSU to end the year, you can see pretty quickly how it would go off the tracks. And if you, you can't afford to lose this team. Now, A&M was able last year to beat LSU – uh, surprise them at the randomly at the end of the year because of college what football. we talked about well college football but also it's like a and m like pound for pound yeah. talent wise they're there it, it, it's it, i can't imagine doing radio and college station i think that the three hours of us on the show would just be like thinking of ways to raise money for jimbo's buyout <laughs> i think that's all the three-hour show would be every single week because it it if Auburn had the classes that A and M had, and they went five and seven last oh year, my gosh, I, we would we would be having oh, fifteen callers a show. And then when we had two minutes to, to talk about it amongst ourselves, it would we would have to be censoring what was going on. It would just be it would just be awful. I mean, it would it would be incredibly awful. And so I can't imagine that situation with the talent they've had compared to the success they've actually had. Uh, and again, this is a very important game for them because Auburn is still on the leaner half of the sec schedule for them and especially with with it being a home game they just that that's is this is a must win for them four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line we go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line here in hour number two ward steve retired Wardam steve is with us steve how are you this afternoon good afternoon
6: everybody uh it's uh, brian uh, TP, is that right?
1: Uh, Ryan and Cam, T.P.'s running the board today.
6: Ryan and Cam, okay. I'm sorry, Cam, i sounding like T P voice.
1: It's um, all good. How you doing, Steve?
6: Okay, good. Hey, we made it to Wednesday, didn't we?
1: Yeah, halfway home. Yeah. Yeah,
6: with no injuries. No injuries on my end.
1: uh, on my, I think Cam, you good? You still you're still I'm working a out? You okay? I'm Cam's sore. a little sore. My arms hurt.
6: So you're day to day?
1: Yeah, I'm day to day. I'll I'll
2: make okay. it though. Ryan?
1: Oh, no, I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm not okay. eating healthily. I had Taco Bell for lunch, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not really getting ready for the heat in College Station on Saturday, but I'm still healthy.
6: Okay, good to know. All right, well, let's get it by the numbers, since you we were talking about uh, some things for the upcoming game on uh, how uh, the gap is really uh, quite uh, amazing. I read these stats, and then I listened to Mr. Josh Pate on his live kick show podcast. Uh Apparently, um, there's quite a gap, uh, at least on paper, talent-wise. You know, they have 10 five-star players that will be playing against us on the field, and we have zero come Saturday.
1: Yeah, I can believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
6: Uh, so, I mean, those are just facts. So, just for those facts, uh, we probably. Uh, should be a 21-point underdog, right? Well,
1: right. I mean, that the, the, again, obviously, Steve, we've we've done this the other way with disappointing Auburn results, but this is, again, why we don't do it on paper, because, as you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. But, yes, just based off of the talent, A&M, A&M would win this game at home nine times out of ten.
6: Right. And the uh, same, same thing could be said about some of the games last weekend. Kansas State had no business losing to Missouri, did they?
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put Missouri on, on I wouldn't have put Kansas State on upset alert and then Missouri pulled it off. All
6: right. So here's some of the numbers I'm looking at. On offense, uh oh, on, on, on terms of us. We're eleventh in quarterback rating in the SEC. Eleventh. Uh, I don't know who's further down, but uh, you guys can guess on that. Uh, and we're in the middle of the pack when it comes down to third down conversions on offense. We're number six and we're tied for seventh place when it comes to red zone TD rate. So here's where we have a possibly credible, legitimate chance to at least keep the game closed Saturday and maybe upset them. When it comes to total defense, guys, we're like yeah. right third in the SEC.
2: Yeah. yeah, Auburn's got one of the top defenses.
6: Yeah, 15th nationally. But then again, you know, you're only as good or as bad as maybe your opponent, like Pat Dice, say, right?
1: Yeah. Man, and obviously so, Auburn's not played a, a lot of robust offense yet.
6: No, we haven't. We haven't played in Texas, and we haven't played in Miami. Uh, so, you know, we played Cal. That's about it. All right. Now, when we get to some more interesting defenses, uh, gives us some degree of hope. well scoring defense, we're third in the SEC and high for 18th nationally.
1: Yeah, pretty and solid.
6: Then, uh, and then uh, for third-down conversions, this is the one that I'm looking at, we're second in the SEC and fifth nationally. Very good. And red zone TD rate tied for fourth in the SEC and 26th in the nation.
1: Yep, all so, yeah. all positive rankings. But again, it's so it's so tough to tell when everyone's played various small teams like like Auburn has, but a lot of teams have, have played small stuff. Right.
6: And apparently, we're not too shabby uh, in defense when it comes to passing. We're first in the SEC, guys.
1: Yeah, that, that's and
6: 13th nationally.
1: That that's not too surprising. The way you a the way we thought this team would grade yeah. out strength and weakness wise in the offseason, but then also uh, against Cal, who was going to need to run the ball really successfully because they were not known to be a passing team. But Auburn did such an incredible job there, and uh, again, that Cal game is why offensively Auburn's not going to have a ton of great looking numbers for the season so far they're going to be okay because they did well against Sanford and and against uh, UMass but defensively Auburn really stands out because of that Cal game
6: yeah rushing is where the concerns are we're seventh in the SEC and 43rd nationally so I suspect uh, if I'm Jimbo that's what we're going to be doing right
1: uh, I, I think they're going to throw a decent amount. I mean, they'll, they'll definitely mix in run. I think if you're looking at the strength of their team, though, uh, I think it's they're, they have clearly passed the ball more effectively than run this year, or certainly they have tried to. They've got a couple of really good wide receivers uh, in Evan Stewart and Aniah Smith, and Smith is someone who's been around for a while. So I, 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 I think it's an interesting decision for them because on one hand – I think it's better to try to run on Auburn, but also I think that their passing has been clearly more impressive than their running this year.
6: Okay. Have you seen ESPN's FPI uh, projections for all our games remaining? I have not. Okay. For A&M, they give us a 67.3 chance to win.
1: A 67% chance to win at a and i A&M? Uh, no,
6: no, I'm sorry, uh, to, to lose.
1: Okay. Uh, that makes more sense. Okay.
6: Yeah. Uh, in other words, we have a 23% chance of winning Okay. You guys see, you guys see it like that too?
1: Uh, at sixty-seven, uh, yeah, two out of every three times, yes, I would, I would say that. That's about the right range.
6: Okay. Uh, Josh Payton, his live kick, says that that seven and a half points is uh, he thinks it's um, deceptive. He thinks that Auburn will lose by more than that. What do you guys? What do what you guys take on that? God, think I you just, think a blowout.
1: I no, I don't think blowout. I think that. Oh man, you know, again, it's so tough because on one hand, like if you went pure talent, yes, you could see multiple score game. Absolutely. But there's been dysfunction there for a reason. So I I, th- you? I don't think it'll be a very high scoring game. I know I <laughs> I was so wrong on Cal. I said it'd be high scoring. It was very low scoring. So I'm gonna take the opposite here, watch it be the opposite. But I would think, I would think that this would not be a track meet. I would think that it would be Maybe not purely low scoring, but at least moderate scoring to maybe low scoring.
6: Yeah, the total by Vegas is
1: 54.5. That's about what it was for the Cal game, I believe. I think it was in the mid-50s.
6: Okay. And then there's a podcast, I don't know if you guys have listened to it yet, with Nathan King, Ron Sanders, and Paul Feinbaum. Uh, we have not. And it's a pretty interesting take. Uh, although I don't care for Feinbaum that much, but it's about uh, – 35 minutes, I think, long. Anyway, he talks about all these teams in Auburn as well. And his take is that this game is less pressure on Auburn and more on uh, A&M. And he thinks that uh, even if Auburn uh, doesn't do well or you know, obviously loses the game, it'll be forgotten by next week, um, but not if A&M loses. And he thinks a more important game that Auburn is going to be looking at to make an impression will be the Georgia game. you guys agree with his take?
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree because A&M, like I just laid out before the call, A&M's season could take a very dark turn if they lose to Auburn because Auburn is still not, from a talent perspective, one of the, the top three or four teams remaining on their schedule, and they've already lost their important non-conference game against Miami. You start If they lose to Auburn, you start to even make sure if they make bowl eligibility because they didn't last year. Uh, And and if they do that again, I think they have to fire Fisher, uh, period. And so that pressure, the pressure of a coach that's nearing the end of the line is far greater than a coach that just began his journey. And no one's going to write off Hugh Freeze if they lose in College Station in game four of his tenure. But if Jimbo Fisher in game four of this season, after several years of being mediocre, lose to Auburn, and set up another potential six- or five-win team, then then his time is going to run out.
6: Uh, and then I went and saw about maybe five-minute clip on um, a podcast against anyway, a film video, CBS Sports. They have these four, um, I don't know who their names are, um, broadcasters, uh, pundits, anyway making their predictions for the A&M Auburn game. It's called No Ifs or Buts. Uh, are you familiar with that? Uh, I don't believe so. Anyway, neither am I. So, Three of them uh, said um, no contest, Auburn, uh, Auburn will lose. But one guy uh, said that Auburn will win in the last minutes by a field goal, which I would love to see happen. Uh, strange things happen in that game. But you know, we've had a 4-1 record against them. Uh, when we weren't playing each other do anything on the road against them, we still are unpredictable uh, in that aspect. Uh, for this, guy, uh, for this uh, team to have a chance, guys, um, do you think it's going to be on the shoulders of the defense or
1: the offense to pull it out? Well, you know, I think what ultimately could happen is it would be on the shoulders of the defense because I think that would be what would happen in a lower scoring game is you're asking your defense to make a lot more stops and force a couple turnovers and that sort of thing. I would like to see them in a perfect world. I would like to see them win because of offense because that would show the development process of Peyton Thorne, the development of their offense and how Montgomery and Freeze have been game planning and that sort of thing. So my preference is that Auburn could win a thirty-eight to twenty-eight game rather than scratch out a twenty-one to seventeen game or a twenty to fourteen game, that sort of thing. But again, obviously, we'll take the win if it can happen. However, it would happen. But I, I would I would suspect it would be more on the defense to keep this a low scoring game.
6: Yeah, I say low scoring. Could you imagine a? A uh, ten to seven or a fourteen to ten game, and yep. Auburn pulls it out.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't have had pre-cal, but now I can because I've have now seen what a fourteen to ten game looks like. So it's now on my radar, at least.
6: Okay, all right. Moving along, real real quickly. Yeah. Cal. Last
1: thing for us, Steve, and we got to get to another call.
6: Sure. There's a really really interesting uh, up close and personal uh, column, it, it actually appeared on uh, local Birmingham uh, news of uh, sports. Uh, section on their TV station, uh, but it's about a, a gentleman who lives in England, and his name is Paul Mortimer. He is now a lifelong Auburn fan uh, since 10 years ago after looking on the internet, uh, trying to find a uh, country station, and he happened upon a country uh, music station in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, in between their song playing, the DJs were giving updates on scores of Auburn football, and as I'm reading this article, he says, what is this Auburn football? Because he's a soccer fan, obviously, and so he tunes in. This is the year of 2013, and uh, it happened that that was uh, that show was being uh, that movie, oh, that came uh, was being broadcast uh, in England. So he watches. He said after that, he said Sit, chills up his uh, spine. He says watching the end. He said I decided to see what American football is all about. Well, he's finally coming to Auburn, Alabama, for the Iron Bowl this year. Oh wow! To see his first Auburn game. Uh, He's married, has two kids, and uh, he's getting packed up. But in the meantime, uh, you can see he's shown, I guess, on Facebook, yeah, uh, his room, his house is filled with all kinds of Auburn paraphernalia that have been sent to him from all over the world by Auburn fans. And then he has an Auburn uh, football player tattooed on one of his arms. Oh, wow. Some people have said, hey, it would be really neat if uh, uh, Auburn University, Auburn Athletic Department, would have him as a halftime uh, guest, you know, during the Iron Bowl uh, to recognize his, uh, I guess, his love for Auburn for coming all the way from England. What do you think, guys? Think they uh, should do that?
1: That would be interesting. I, I don't think. I think you open a whole, whole can of worms there, though, because then anyone that's international coming would feel like, hey, can I have a story? And can I, can I be a part of that? And that sort of thing. So. You know, I think I don't think it diminishes the story. I think it's a great story, but you got to be careful when deciding to to honor certain people in the field. Usually, when you see just fans recognized, you might see them having some sort of relationship to a military service or something they've done in the military, or if they've been a season ticket holder for say forty years or fifty years or something like that. So, again, I think that's probably still the best avenues to keep that in.
6: I get it. I just want to be neat if they did. Yeah, you know, he came all the way from. Uh... England. Anyway, finally, real quickly on this date, in 1973, guess what happened in the tennis world?
1: Uh, I do not know.
6: Billie Jean King okay. won the Battle of the Sexes over Bobby Riggs. All right. Yeah. yeah, he'd been bragging about how women couldn't play tennis very well, and she ended up beating the crap out of him. That's all I got. Hey, guys, thank you for your time. i look forward to listening to the podcast later on. And I'd like to ask from the other um, legacy callers, I haven't heard from you guys, i've been having the podcast lately but where are you jeff where are you anthony
1: they call almost every day
6: they call, they? Well, yeah they call almost lot.
1: every day yeah okay and keith keith not as much but again he's not working out of auburn so he can't listen all the time
6: okay well i was, i was some, some some crash talking from those guys in
1: uh, all right
6: Hi right, guys thank you for your time my time is way up Talk to you again tomorrow. Until then,
3: Warrior, guys. Warrior,
1: well, you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retiring. retired Steve on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We now go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Next up on the show,
0: Matt from Phoenix City.
1: Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon?
4: Hey guys, I'm great. Steve, God bless you. <laughs> uh, you are a knowledge friend. Um, look, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't hear his entire um, call. Um I thought you were talking about Reuben Foster there for a second at the end. He was talking about an Auburn tattoo ones on. <laughs> um but um I found a a very intriguing number. Um I'm not gonna say I found. Uh someone else found and and uh divulged a very intriguing nugget today that um is it Wegman? Is that A and Yeah, Connor Wegman.
1: Yeah, Wegman. Wegman. Yeah.
4: Okay. Um, that he is third in the SEC in pass attempts. Yes. And that he has been pressured 47 times in three games. Yeah. And the reason that I find that intriguing is that while part of me wants to think, okay, we've been sitting on some stuff offensively, we're going to see it Saturday. I really don't think that's the case. However, I do believe that Ron Roberts still has plenty up his sleeve. Um, I think there's going to be some, some, some crazy pressure looks. And I, I really, honest to God, I think we're going to be able to get after their quarterback. Um, so far, I realize that, you know, it, it's been a very ho-hum schedule. Um, hence, the, the high rankings defensively. Um, but I just feel like we're going to be able to get after this guy and, and create some turnovers. And, you know, I called in right at the right time because I thought I heard you say that you were wrong on the cow over under.
1: Yeah, and you were right. Absolutely. Hey, I,
4: look, I'm hot as a $2 pistol this year called <laughs> sticking games.
1: Hey, I'm um, going to listen to you more.
4: I'm going Auburn twenty-seven, A okay. and M twenty-four. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that we are going to score at least seven with defense or special teams.
1: Okay, maybe a sack, fumble, or something return. Yeah. Okay, That'd
4: be a good call for sure. I, I I really see it coming. I think we're better than them defensively. I think we're better than them in the kicking game. I agree. Um, and and you know I think Peyton Thorn. Didn't look exquisite Saturday, but he looked comfortable, and that was the first time I had seen him comfortable and If he gets comfortable, then he gets confident, and this thing could take off in a hurry I agree um, so I've, I've got a good feeling I'm, I'm saying twenty seven twenty four so I guess I'm taking the under.
1: Just barely, yeah, not, yeah. Last again, to your credit, against Cal, you were very confident in the under. I was very confident in the over, and it was very assuredly under. So, uh, well, I'm going to say it's going to be right around that number then.
4: But you know, dumb luck was that not the jankiest, most ridiculous football game you've ever seen in your life? (laughs) Uh,
1: One of them. yeah unfortunately i still i'll always think about Jacksonville State and uh, I'll always think about about hmm. seven turnovers against mercer but but certainly in a power five game, yes, that was uh, a very hard to figure game plan, very hard to figure fumble outing and uh it it was a it was a squeaker
4: and and even though we didn't rotate quarterbacks, you didn't you could never get settled into a rhythm. Right, right. There was then was either a penalty, turnover, or a review, and and you, you couldn't develop a rhythm. I would hate, I would hate to have been calling plays. I can't imagine the the frustration trying to call that game as an offensive coordinator on either side. Um, but anyway, I'm going to let you get to somebody else that's probably a lot smarter and cooler and better looking than me. But I'm, <laughs> I'm taking the tires, 27-24.
1: Hey, you're, you're riding the hot streak, so we're, uh, we are we think you're smarter than us right now. So we appreciate Absolutely. the phone call. That, right. that is Matt from Phoenix City joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, we will have another call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Jeff from Columbus will be up right after this timeout. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: for another way to listen to our show be sure to download the tiger communications app and listen to sports call wherever you go i'm deshaun davis former arvin tigers football player and all sec linebacker you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to Sports Call. It's 5.9. Ryan Levoy Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. TP Hammock, run the board, taking your phone calls about halfway through this Wednesday edition of the show. Again, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at 5.15, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will be joining us to talk some NFL and some fantasy football. 334 3401 locally or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today we go back to that Orthopedic Clinic phone line now. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon?
7: Doing great, guys. How are you all?
1: Doing well. Doing well.
7: Doing good, good, good. Hey, man, I knew Steve. Well, I know Steve's going to call in every day, but I saw it on the dang, uh, on a website or something. They came out with Auburn's thing, you know, hey, they're number one defense. They're, they're so I knew Steve would call in with after he got done with his graphing calculator and figured out how in the heck Auburn should be number one in the country. So but um uh, I noticed uh I wanted to tell Matt that uh he said he's gonna let somebody smarter on next. That's not me. I guess he meant <laughs> after me. So we'll let him go. But hey Steve, how about this for trash talking? When somebody tells you, "Hey, Steve, last thing, we got another caller on the line." Why don't we not talk for five minutes about some soccer fan and Billie Jean King? How about that, Steve? <laughs> but they, oh. I mean, yeah. It, when you listen, when you listen to the podcast, Steve, put yourself on timer and see how long it takes you to hang up after you actually say goodbye. Hey, what? Um, and the reason I hadn't called in a whole lot because there's not a. Not a whole lot going on. You know what I'm saying? We did talk about South Carolina, and, uh, man, that Spencer Rattler, he, you know, he they couldn't stop him first half, you know. But it's also a credit to the defense. They did make adjustments, and they can just swap out players. Georgia, I'm talking about Georgia, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Georgia can just swap out players and keep them fresh, where Spencer Rattler – he was beat up at the end. He did all he could. I like Spencer Radler, but um, he, uh, uh, you know, they found a way to Georgia found a way to win it. They they ran the ball better than they have. You know, uh, Georgia's, uh, they, uh, gosh, well, you know, uh, well, you don't, you're as young, you're a lot younger than me, but I mean, they they can play a tough game against Vanderbilt. They can lose to Vanderbilt. You know that. Uh, Something like that. So we've just been fortunate. Things have come our way the past couple of years. You know, it's not even Alabama, uh, you know, can't win every game. You know, no, UCLA didn't win every game, you know, in basketball. You know, it's got to stop somewhere. I'm just hope we can keep riding it. And dang, uh, I was really surprised to see Tennessee take that big loss to Florida. I mean, it, it's weird. Uh, well, I guess that just goes to show that you actually have to play the football game and you can't look at all those dang uh, rankings and stuff like that, right? Steve always says, you know, uh, never's never lie. It's just, uh, what's he say? It's just no, how The people
1: that interpret them, them. yeah.
7: People that interpret them. How about a, somebody who's better and you beat your butt? I mean, dang, that's, you know, oh, why'd that happen? What, can you explain that, guys? No, it was just, you can't do it. But, hey, I'm – uh I just wanted to call in, and, and uh, you know, uh, I, I thought I'd be on hold next after Steve, but mm-hmm. I, I forgot also that uh, you had another caller on. Sure. But uh, heck, I knew you had another caller on. Steve, do it and didn't care. So, <laughs> but uh, you, you all have a great day. I got to go get some work done, but um, tell Steve I'll be calling back in. Uh, uh, you know, he, he'll call me up every now and then. It's kind of like a like a, a headache. Or yeah, something. I mean, he called. He, he,
1: call, he said. Well, he 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 wondered if uh, if you or Anthony were calling, and I, I mean, apparently he's not been yeah. listening too much because you you guys do call in multiple times yeah. a week. So,
7: exactly, you need to tell him. Uh, you ought to call him out and say you must not be listening to our podcast, Steve. So, uh, well, I'll call him out. We'll see if he listens tonight, and because he'll say something tomorrow. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Hey, you all have a great night, and man, uh, one more thing. Texas A and M. This game is you. You can't put money on Texas A and M. You no. don't know. I mean, they're fifty fifty at best. You know, ever since Jimbo Fisher's been there, so you don't know what you're what you're up against.
1: Yeah. No. So, last year uh, they went. Yeah. Last year they went five and seven, and they nearly beat Alabama, and they beat LSU, and yeah. that made no yeah. sense whatsoever. Yeah.
7: Right. Exactly. So um, yeah, I don't envy y'all. But uh, um, I still – we'll see how these percentages work out because they've got all the talent in the world. I can't believe with all – with a head coach and all the assistant coaches and the talent they have that they cannot put together a nine-win team.
1: Yeah, I don't – You know, I mean,
7: you you would think even – you know, just don't even listen to your coaches. You should be able to put up a nine-win team. <laughs> so I don't know. That, I mean, really, am I right? Because they can't all be that bad if you've got that much talent, or you know, maybe yeah. they're all Byron Cowards.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't know if there's eleven Byron Cowards out there or not. I, I think that. I just think that for whatever reason, maybe we just didn't realize how weak the ACC was, or how easy it was at Florida State. I don't know, but I guess we just misjudged this guy. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, to, to have that much talent, as I've alluded to earlier in the show, I, I can't imagine doing sports talk in College Station right now because I think every call and every yeah. segment would be about. How the hell does this change, and how the hell is this happening, and and what are we going to do about it? I mean, because I, it is one of the most confusing things going on in the entire sport.
7: Yes, and and, uh, and I, I, I think he was. Who, who, what was his quarterback? What was his name there? Uh, uh, Jameis Winston.
1: Yeah, fourth State. Think, yeah,
7: I think Jimbo Fisher is just like, uh, uh, who's the guy that went to Michigan, uh, uh, from. From Not Rich Rodriguez? From, uh, that's gracious. Yes. Rich Rodriguez? He, Pat White is to Rodriguez as... Uh, um,
1: Jameis is uh, to Jimbo. Jameis
7: Winston was to Jimbo. Because I don't believe without him, either one of them would have, you know, amounted to a hill of beans. You know what I'm saying? I think it was just a, uh, you know, caught lightning in the bottle. I mean, kind of, well, he Gene it. <laughs> you know, his, <laughs> yeah. his Cam Newton. You know, so and I, I really believe, it, and it's and it's kind of showing that way because it really hasn't done anything since. You know, so
1: yeah, I mean we'll they see, they. Uh, uh, they had some 10-win team. I mean, I, I was looking at it the other day. They, I think they had four 10-win teams outside the the Jameis uh, years. So, I mean, they had something. But obviously they didn't have the years that they had with Winston. Even in those years they would finish like 12th or 10th or something like that. But still, I mean, just to go from even – again, not to get to eight to nine wins, which they were doing at least the first few years at a and M. I don't understand what's going on these last year and a half.
7: I don't. No, and, and I did not realize that Florida State had that many 10-game winning seasons without uh, um, without Jameis Winston. Yeah. I really did.
1: They had a I few. Obviously, out. he he ended bad there that last year there. They went like 6-6 six and six, uh, before he, he departed right. of, uh, A&M. So it seemed like it was on, in the way of, of coming down. But they did at least uh, prior right. to Jameis. They had two 10-win seasons. And after him, they had two 10-win seasons.
7: With Jimbo Fisher's,
1: company. yes, yep. Uh, huh. F- Fisher okay. overall at Florida State was eighty-three and twenty-three. That's what I've got in front of me right now.
7: Okay, well, shoot, that's pretty really good. Like I told, like I said, Matt said a smarter guy's coming on. That's not me. So, uh, <laughs> but my memory's getting bad, I guess. But hey, you all have a good show, and I will uh, talk to you all later on.
1: Appreciate the phone call as always, Jeff. And we we believe you are plenty intelligent. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that phone call. Uh, yeah, no, I mean I I understand that sentiment. That's Jeff's not the first one to have the sentiment that Jameis made Jimbo to a degree there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. you know, it's just that there was just enough because even because Bobby Bowden's years ended up they started to trail off at the end. So it's not like Jimbo took over the program after a bunch of twelve win teams then then kept it there, right. then got gold with Jameis, then kept it there for a year or two, then went down. Like they were starting to to have a, an ill effect of Bobby Bound maybe coaching a little too long. And then so Jimbo gets them a couple ten win years, an eleven win year. They they go to the t- they win the title, they go to another playoff with Jameis, then they have two 10 win seasons and then they drop off excuse me after that uh, into the bad 2017 that they had. So, again, like I felt like it was enough outside of Jameis to say, this guy's a really good coach. I mean, at that time, leaving Florida State, I would have said he was between, at that time, I would say between the fifth and tenth fifth. best yeah, coach in the country. 10 for sure. You know, I mean, yeah. I would have said that he was somewhere just outside of the top five, maybe fifth. And now you can't put them anywhere near your top ten the, w- the yeah. way it's been the last few years. <clears throat> um, and so I, it, it, I don't know. And I'm also trying to say, like, did the game pass him by? Because that could happen to older coaches. Um, you know, they they had one good year at A&M in the, sh- the shortened season. Uh, but but I don't think the sport has changed drastically from the 2013, 14, 15 years to now. I think if you were going 03, 04, 05, it's changed drastically. Right. But I believe that early 2010s it began to change, and it, it has become what it is now with the no, no, no huddle offenses and the read options and – and RPOs and all that, that was starting to happen when, when Winston was there. I mean, hell, they played the team that, that helped it start happen with, with Gus Malzahn and Auburn in 13, making that read option a big deal. So I I, I don't understand it fully either, and, and that's why it is really hard to predict. And we'd probably – if we had to pick A&M games each and every week, we, last year we might have gone like four and eight, three and nine. Because we wouldn't have picked them to be, uh, lose to App State, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. We wouldn't have picked them to beat LSU, uh, and then they they did beat Arkansas, who was a, a bowl team last year. So they it, the cover wasn't bare. And the positive is just that there was so much damn negative to it. Uh, but if I just started off with your season, like you're going to beat LSU, going to have a close loss to Tuscaloosa to Alabama, we'll be very close, going to have a chance at the very final play. You're right. gonna beat your rival with Arkansas in the first part of the year. I'd say, oh, that's set would be like a nine-win, nine-win A and M team. Oh no, they were five and seven. Yeah, five, <laughs> missed ball game, didn't even make it. Uh, TCU was infinitely better than them. Just yeah. weird sentences to say out loud when you think right, about it. Right, very uh, weird. So that makes it tough. Now going back, a phone call to Matt because he was bringing up the pass rush. That's something interesting. Hugh Freeze was talking about earlier this week needing to get a little bit more out of McLeod, needing him to be healthy, needing the Auburn guys to just get a little bit more out of them, that they've been okay just not standing out. But I saw the same stat Matt did. It was something – I think he said it was 47 pressures out of 100-some dropbacks. Uh, which is basically saying 50, nearly half the time yeah. that he drops back, he's under pressure. So that offensive line has not been very good. Which, by the way, I think that makes it more impressive that Wegman for the year is completing seventy percent of his passes, yeah. nine hundred nine yards, and <laughs> he's got to be getting out quick, right? but pass rush for Auburn yeah. something that might be able to to find a weakness there with a And M.
2: Yeah, they, I mean, they really might be able to if, if Ron Roberts is able to really put up put together some things and and. Uh, create some stunts, some moves, just some whatever necessary um, to to get back there and pressure uh, Wigman. That would that would do wonders for the game as a whole because you already know you have talented DBs and safeties. I mean, Jalen Sums has gotten a, a interception in three straight games, so I'm sure he's looking to continue that streak. Um, and and you just then, I mean, I think you're you're really golden on that defensive side of the ball. Then you really just have to worry about it. The offense is going to be able to. Per- produce um i think texas a&m will eventually be able to score points but if you can if you're if you're auburn you're saying rely on our defense for for a little bit let our offense catch a rhythm um i i I still say you do the same thing that you did against samford create that get payton into a rhythm you don't even have to do it for a whole half like you did if you do it for an entire quarter though i think that'll do wonders for the enti- throughout the entirety of the game because then you can mix in that Robbie package that we had in the second quarter however you want to go throughout the rest of the game and I think it will make for a smoother, more productive offense. That's that's how I think that should go. So um yeah, yeah, with the but with the pass rush, I mean that's gonna I mean he's been pressured on nearly fifty percent, like you said. So get in his face. Um and he might be able to, I mean he might be getting the ball out quick, but if you continue to get there, eventually you'll get home. So yeah.
1: I think this for for obvious reasons. This will tell us – this will give us the clear-cut answers. Where Auburn's at really in every different way. I I feel pretty good that they are a very good pass defense from what we've seen. Will it grade out to first in the country or whatever it's grading out to now once we get through the entire year? Okay, probably not there. Uh, But it will grade out well. But this is an interesting test in that regard because of Evan Stewart and a Smith. Right. Stewart didn't even play against ULM. I was reading Jimbo Fisher says he's going to be fine. For Saturday, but Stewart had 257 receiving in the first two games of the oh year. Gosh. So, buck 25 yeah. essentially a game, uh, buck 30. And then Anaya Smith with nearly 200 yards receiving. And by the way, that's not even accounting for hardly any of their touchdowns. That's only two of their 10 passing touchdowns. Noah Thomas, their number three receiver, has 10 catches, 112 yards. And of those 10 catches, four of them are for touchdowns. Oh, so man. they have a real receiving core, a real group of targets there. But if Auburn can get the pressure, I'm again I'm a big believer in if you give a quarterback worth their salt five, six seconds, he's going to find somebody no matter yeah. how good your your DBs are. Absolutely. However, if you had a matchup issue defensively, which that's what it would be for Auburn because Auburn's DBs are really good, but maybe there's one matchup that's just not Not conducive to success. If you've got that issue or if you were a bad defensive backfield, the way to alleviate that is you don't give the quarterback more than two seconds nope. to look. Uh, and and make you, him make you get mistake. back there quickly. So yeah. McLeod also is important because yeah, in absolutely. that aforementioned App State game that A&M lost last year, he, was he had a couple of sacks, had a fumble, of yeah. Uh, and he was really good. So he knows how what it takes against this very type of team, this Texas A&M team, and so that's reason for optimism. I also want to see if they play Keldrick Falk more because Falk in these small sample sizes has been pretty really good, good. yeah. and I'd like to see that if he is getting a more increased role, uh, what he can do with that against their first real game because again, as a freshman, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. rely on some like someone like that. Absolutely. but since he is kind of the number two guy at that position, You would think that maybe in a small dose, he might be able to still have an impact and really auburn really be onto something with him so that would be something interesting to watch too we are basically out of time here for the second hour of the show stay tuned coming up in hour number three we'll have a sports call at five at five presented by southeastern land group and a little bit later at 5 15 today joe bartle of rotowire will join us for some nfl talk stay tuned to that you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Hello, I'm here. TP Hammock is running the board, taking your phone calls in just a few minutes. We will be talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire, wire talk some NFL, talk some fantasy. Before we do that, though, we want to get to the Sports Call 5 at 5. And as always, it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is also always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land to get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that, too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group, we will pivot into the NFL a little bit here and talk about five big-name players already having at least significant injuries so far this year. We kick it off with number one. Of course, week one, Monday Night Football, play four. Aaron Rodgers, torn Achilles, out for the season. Wow, wow. Impactful to fantasy teams, impactful <sighs> to the Jets. We have to watch Zach Wilson now. It's very unfortunate. I'm no Jets fan, but you, you have five times a Zach Wilson on primetime. You like some of that. Garrett
2: Wilson was supposed to be a league winner. (laughs) Uh huh. Well, (laughs) now he's catching passes from Zach. Yeah, the ones that make
1: it to him and are not already intercepted. (sighs) Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be rough there. That was a big time injury. Next up, number two, another big one. Monday Night Football. I don't know what's wrong with Monday Night Football and injuries, but we're on a bad streak. Nick Chubb. That was about as hard of an injury as it was to watch. Making Fitzpatrick went low while already being tackled high. And Nick Chubb's knee is is not really intact at the moment, and that's very frustrating. He didn't
2: deserve it.
1: Yeah. Uh, So Chubb out for the season. Did they ever actually give the – the official? No, they just said significant knee yeah. injury, I, I, and it's the I, uh-huh. same knee that he tore all of other r- stuff back in twenty fifteen. I'm really hoping that didn't end his career. I, I know. I, man. I, I, does he play again? Probably. Is he, he anywhere close to the same? Probably, Probably not. not. And that and that absolutely sucks. He's one of the three best, if not the best, back uh, in the league, and maybe going a little bit under the radar at times because of Cleveland and their lack of success. But he was. Incredibly productive for several years, and I uh, hate that for the Browns. For Nick Chubb, number three, uh, this one was also running back. It was week one, it was also an Achilles, uh, suffering the same fate as Aaron Rodgers, J.K. Dobbins of uh, Baltimore. Uh, not necessarily the elite caliber back that uh, Nick Chubb was, but again, you lose your starting running back week one. Uh, you're not exactly thrilled, in Baltimore in the past had been a really run-heavy offense. They're starting to open up a little bit more and right. throw it around a little bit more. I, we'll, we'll see how it works for them, hopefully trying to keep Lamar healthier throughout the year. Uh, but uh, J.K. Dobbins, the Baltimore starting running back uh, tore the Achilles there uh, in week one. Next up here. Number four. Uh, we had a uh, another significant injury um, in terms of quarterback play. Uh, and that was the re calf problem or re injuring of the calf to Joe Burrow. Oh, don't gosh. know if he'll miss a game. I tend to think he probably won't for now, uh, but that's the same calf problem that had him kind of carted off, made him miss five or six weeks, and you could see visibly upset yeah, about it. And I, I don't know, man. I that's I to me, this feels like every cuz this happens with every great quarterback except for maybe Brady where they have one year where just it just goes wrong and you you don't make the playoffs yeah. and and things just don't work out like even Rodgers had one of those in green well actually definitely last year was one of those but he had another one earlier in his career right. Breeze would have one on occasion like most quarterbacks even the elite ones have this one random year where it just doesn't go right yeah and I'm already sniffing that out of Cincinnati and in, in Joe Burrow. Rough. Uh, so the calf problem something to keep an eye on for Cincinnati. And last up in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. Uh, is Saquon Barkley, who had an injury uh, this past week where uh, not a huge nope. injury, avoided a serious ankle problem, but yeah. was a, a ankle sprain out two to three weeks uh, for, for New York at least. And the, uh, Barclays yeah. is significant because what it means for running backs. Like this oh, is the guy was that we fighting. talked about in the off season. So hard fighting for that long term contract, and it's uh, it, not I'm not going to make a bigger deal out of it. It is yet because he can still <laughs> have a really good year. It's but, Not looking good, but though. yeah, it's it's it does not help the leverage. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, as I
2: just said not looking good for the running yeah,
1: backs. Yeah, yeah. and. For the Giants, you know, I mean, they had to scratch and claw to beat Arizona. You start to wonder Come what back. New York is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, good news is the positive is you did win. The bad news is you're down twenty one nothing at half to Josh Dobbs. The even worse news I mean, is you have to play the Cowboys this week, right? And the bad <laughs> the bad news is, uh, well, Arizona plays Dallas this week. Oh, excuse me, uh, but New York will have to play them again. Yes, uh, that w- that will be reality. They'll have to play Philly twice. What if Washington's? Not oh awful? gosh. I'm just I mean, they did beat yeah. the Broncos, but yeah. we don't. Do
2: I don't even the Broncos. I well, know. yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm just saying for the Giants' perspective, right. even Washington's not some rollover team. Right. that does not appear. Yep, uh, and and so. Yeah, uh, that that, uh, that is an interesting situation. So, again, not really a positive. We did this with Auburn injuries earlier this week. I don't know what it is with me and injuries. I just, I just feel like you have to have an injury report from time to time, right. and they're excessively Honestly. long. But that's our sports call, 5-5, five five presented by Southeastern Land Group, again five significant NFL injuries already that uh, impacting these teams, impacting fantasy. We'll have to talk about some of this with Joe Bartle in just a moment. Cam, I want to ask you, I asked the guys this uh, real quickly before the end of the segment yesterday. Uh, in or out on two Monday night football games simultaneously? In, in, yeah, okay, absolutely. I love the NFL, so yeah,
2: and and you know I know Monday night football is, you know it's it's a special thing or whatever, but the more the merrier. I don't, yeah, what's well, I mean? There's a bunch of games on Sunday. Not everybody yep. can watch them, but then you, I mean. Two sent Monday night football games. I mean, if I'm able to switch back and forth and watch them, I don't. I'm, I'm poor, so I don't have a two TV setup. But I still. Well, I'm back not and rich, forth. but I, Look, I have a two. Man, you're. I'm
1: jealous again. <laughs> they're, they're not. There. It's. It's like a hundred eighty dollars. I don't. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. But i will just, just say it was like a Black Friday a couple of years ago. <laughs> You know, just, just, hey, just in November, just, 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 just think about it it for sure. I,
2: I, I would love a two TV setup. It's a dream that I have to to attain. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, so I mean, flip back and forth and, and watch it. And, you know, uh, I would, I would absolutely love two Monday Night Football games. I'm with it. I'm, I'm with it.
1: And I think that. So both those games were not well played games, but they were close and I'd always love a close game to I don't want one team to play immaculate football and beat someone by four touchdowns. That's no, it's that's, not that's fun. That's never gonna be as fun as as having close games. Uh, but it does, and they're only doing this one more week. Uh, so when Tampa's getting throttled by Philly, uh, <laughs> you can go to the what? What's the what's the second game this this Monday? Uh, oh man, it's, I, I, I lost I, it. I, yeah, I forgot what it was too. I, I made the same joke yesterday. Played well, so I brought it back. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I'm but seriously, if, if you have a game where it's not competitive, Rams then you have bangles. Rams and Bengals, then you can check on Joe Burrow's calf on Monday right. night, and you Fair can nice. check on if you know Puka is, is going to be the leader in, in receiving yards, and be Cooper Cup two You can you can check on those things, uh, and so I, I like it because also I know the league. T- the the league's attempt is to get as many games starting at at 1 o'clock local time as they can because even the 325 central time games they're actually 125 out in the west a lot of the time so I get it but at the same time I think that you could just as much profit on you could keep the 5 to 6 a window at the noon and 3 o'clock windows and then have an extra Monday night game too I don't know I was a fan of it Justin Ferguson was not a fan of it Tom doesn't really care about NFL so he didn't really (laughs) You know, Tom's a fantasy guy. I think Brooks kinda liked it. it was, you I know, enjoyed it. So but I I enjoyed it. Uh, I did. I, and and I, mean, I did enjoy the, the game winners game. of the games, but no neither. I, 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 I was yeah. upset.
2: I mean I, I lost in fantasy because of both of those
1: games. I, so. I heard I heard about that. It was rough. We'll we'll we upset. go through those scars with Joe Bartle here coming <sighs> up. We take our first time out of the five o'clock hour. When At least ret- the Falcons won. <laughs> yeah. When we return, Joe Bartle of RotoWire Wire will be with us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of sports called Tiger ninety five point nine. Oh,
0: Easy it is to listen to our show. All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian Lavoie-Camberry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And with that, we go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line, and we now welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire here to talk some more NFL and some fantasy. Joe, the time is always greatly appreciated. How are you this afternoon?
8: I'm doing well. Uh, Looking forward to week three here.
1: Absolutely, and of course there are a lot of injuries to discuss that are going to impact fantasy. I saw you tweet about one of them yesterday, but of course I've still, i got to ask you anyway about the, the Browns and about Nick Chubb and what it means, Kareem Hunt signing back to Cleveland, uh, the the fact that they should in theory be throwing more, just what are all the implications there fantasy-wise with Nick Chubb going out?
8: yeah there's a lot to impact but first before we do this conversation um it sucks that we have to do this conversation uh nick chubb was my most rostered guy of first round picks that i had this year had in four or 15 leagues so this felt predestined because anytime i get invested in a first-round guy uh this happens i just wish it was not this extreme i think nick chubb is one of the best running backs uh over the past decade two decades and i thought couple more years of this kind of production, uh, Browns make a playoff run of some sort, he is a Hall of Fame running back. And I think he still might be if he's able to come back. But it is the big concern is if he is going to be able to come back. So it was really uh, really disheartening as somebody that's really a fan of this game and really the person that Nick Chubb is as well, too. I loved that there was a, a pretty big movement, at least in the fantasy community, to donate to the charity that he has. Uh, you could really search that anywhere if you were uh, someone like me that was uh, sad to see Nick Chubb. Suffer that kind of injury, but from a fantasy perspective, yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Um, we did this in the RotoWire podcast, and really, I think covered a lot of angles of it. Uh, we didn't know yet that Kareem Hunt was going to sign with the Browns, although the assumption was going to be that, you know, he's going to rejoin his team. Obviously, he knows the uh, the game plan and the, the scheme that Kevin Stefanski wants to do. Yada yada. Um, I think Jerome Ford is legit, and I, and I felt that way entering this season. Um, I had gotten a lot of Jerome Ford in deeper leagues as a backup even if I didn't have Nick Chubb, for this exact scenario, that if Nick Chubb were to be out, I think Jerome Ford is your starting running back. And I thought he proved it um, Monday night as well, too. It wasn't just that long 69-yard run when he went to the right and to the left, obviously, and uh, nearly, narrowly scored a touchdown. I, I thought he was a proven pass catcher a little bit, too, and, and got that receiving touchdown um, in the loss on Monday. And I really am confident that he could be – Everything that Nick Chubb was uh, to like a 75, 70% level. I really don't know if the Browns have to use Kareem Hunt. And I kind of think Kareem Hunt was available all off season, was available at all points during the preseason, would have likely signed for this level contract if it was offered to him. That the Browns chose to do it now does not mean Kareem Hunt is going to be the starter. I actually just think he's just some depth. He's a backup. And at times, last year, he looked like he was done. Like It was not surprising to me, though, at all that he had not signed with a team because I thought of the veteran guys, and you include Delvin Cook, in that mix that waited so long to get deals, Kareem Hunt was on the lower end, uh, was one of the worst guys of that group. And I, I really am confident Jerome Ford is still going to be an asset, but it is it is dicey. Uh, it would have been a lot nicer if Kareem Hunt wasn't around because the familiarity uh, certainly just feels like something you can lean on if you're Kevin Stefanski. And to your point about the passing, I would agree with you. I think the Browns probably do need to pass more. Uh, if Amari Cooper is like officially healthy, that would be great as well, too. He really was limited entering Monday's game and still, I thought, gutted it out. Uh, and Browns really probably should have won. But Deshaun Watson has not looked right uh, in any facet. And I think the Browns have to pass I'm sorry, have to run until they get Deshaun Watson right. And I just don't know when or how uh, that really shapes out.
2: Joe, we've seen a full game of Zach Wilson back under center again with the Jets, Um, and obviously it was against the Dallas Cowboys defense and elite defense, Um, and so he did obviously struggle a little bit, but how do you think this is going to impact Garrett Wilson going forward? He was you know, kind of expected to be a higher-end wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers under center, but now that Zach Wilson will be throwing the passes, uh, where, where do you see Garrett Wilson being now in the mix?
8: Yeah, Garrett Wilson was drafted among the top sixteen, eighteen overall players in most leagues this year. The assumption was he could even be like a mid-first round pick next year because Aaron Rodgers to be throwing the ball so much, and uh, he, he's on track for at least twelve hundred yards. Like, look what he did last year with with bad quarterback play, and unfortunately, we have to go back to hey, look what he did last year with bad quarterback play because this is is very bad quarterback play right now. I'm I'm kind of interested in the idea that the Jets could trade for a quarterback, and I'll mention, like uh, Jacoby Brissett was mentioned, but if you want to go further, like Kirk Cousins, if the Vikings were to go 0-3 and lose to the Chargers next Sunday, having played two of their three games already at home, that's kind of it already, I think, for their their playoff shot. And Cousins on a one-year deal, I kind of would be interested in that. You'd have to give compensation to the Packers uh, to make that first-round, second-round eligible pick become the second-rounder that it was going to be. I don't know if the Packers would take all that much. It would be really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if they do sniff around the quarterback market because I think this will be the last week that Zach Wilson really could be even considered a starting quarterback. I think Bill Belichick is going to really bully him. So I'm worried about Garrett Wilson a little bit, but I've seen people sell him just far too low. It's like we're acting as if he's never played with bad quarterback play before, when in reality his entire career has been with bad quarterback play. He got four snaps of Aaron Rodgers. That was it. Otherwise, We've seen the song and dance last year, and Garrett Wilson was still a fantasy asset. Probably not top 16, but he was a wide receiver 2 or 3, and I think it's just about limiting your expectations a little bit and hoping that you built your roster well enough to withstand uh, fantasy value loss, which is what I do think is going to occur here.
1: Let's look at Cincinnati, Joe, and it looked like it was a double whammy for the Bengals to lose to the Ravens. Not only did they drop to 0-2 in the year, 0-2 in the division, it looked like Burrow got banged up again in the second half of that one, and that cap problem could be a lingering factor. Uh, how does that change the dynamic with their wide receivers? We know Chase is one of the very best in the National Football League, but you've got a lot of mouths to feed in that passing attack, and, and I'm not sure that, that Burrow will be healthy enough to do that. What do you think will happen there in the, in the coming weeks?
8: Yeah, that's a great juxtaposition with Garrett Wilson, who, again, I've seen people sell too low. I'm far more worried about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Chase to a lesser extent, I think, uh, but Jake Browning, your backup for the Bengals and Joe Burrow, if Burrow was to miss time, that's that's really bad. I mean that's that's as bad if not worse than Zach Wilson. Um and I think you'd get very limited passing production overall. I'm trying to sell off T. Higgins in, in places that I can. Now it's really interesting because if you're saying, hey, really bad backup quarterback, what would he be capable of doing? I think throwing it up to the taller guy who could win jump balls feels a little bit easier than Jamar Chase. But Jamar Chase is like a a do it all sort of weapon and I think you could you could manufacture Schemed plays for him a little bit lesser than he could. I'm sure more than he could for T. Higgins, but that just makes me super nervous. That the Bengals haven't announced anything yet. I guess is is at least a little bit good. Um, they play Monday night, obviously, and I've watched that line go from two and a half now down. I think one, one and a half in favor of the Bengals. If you were to say Joe Burrow wasn't playing or Vegas was sniffing out that he wasn't going to be eligible for that game, I think the Rams are favored by probably three points or more, so that it's not that drastic of a line swing says they they don't know definitively yet but, but i don't know it's it really is a tough spot right now um i think if you're the bengals you need to win monday night to have uh playoff aspirations and i would assume you would try out joe burrow if he's even 75 80 percent healthy but i understand too you know with the calf part being a lingering issue that has happened for about two months essentially you might just want to play it safe with a guy that you got locked down for a long long time uh and you know could be a really effective quarterback I wish we had more details, um, but I am more nervous about the Higgins Jamar Chase combo than I am Garrett Wilson at this point.
2: Uh, Joe, the Broncos have started off 0 2 this season. I've, um, they they struggled uh, against a, a Washington team that is, you know, kind of trying to find themselves. Um, but you know, in terms of fantasy. Is there any player on the team that's really worth anything at this point? Or do you think there is anybody that maybe they could find their rhythm? Maybe Russell is going find, to find a rhythm or, or, you know, get Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy at any point involved a, a, in the offense throughout the, the season?
8: Yeah, I actually think the answer was the first thing we saw explode last week, which was Marvin Mims. And I say that because Marvin Mims is significantly cheaper than Cortland Sutton or even Jerry Judy was. Jerry Judy, after his injury uh, late in preseason, was more like a sixth round, seventh round receiver if you were to do redraft leagues. But prior to that point, he was a fourth or fifth rounder. Cortland Sutton was in the eighth, ninth round range. Marvin Mims, uh, 12th round and later kind of target, and someone that you could probably pick up on waivers pretty easily after he had a bit of a dud week one. If Marvin Mims is a factor, then Russell Wilson by default is going to have to be because I think Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton get enough. And if there's three players getting enough, then the quarterback certainly is doing uh, his share. If you are to say Joe Burrow's gone and Aaron Rodgers is already out for the season, let's just say another quarterback gets thrown into the mix, that's near the top 10, uh, that gets injured, you have Anthony Richardson, have the concussion stuff, yada, yada. I mean, Russell Wilson probably is a low-end top-12 quarterback because I don't know. I mean, this is not uh, Aziz uh, Varro, the defense coordinator from last year for the Broncos. He's now with the Panthers. It's a completely different defense. uh, And I think they look completely different, despite having the same kind of personnel. Like I went, in, I went into the season operating that, all right, Sean Payton's going to make this offense better. The defense was pitching lights out for three months of the season. They're going to do that again. I, it's clearly not the case. You know, I, I, Patrick Chertan, I think, already is one of the best covered corners in the league. He is what people think Sauce Garger is, and yet Patrick Chertan can't do uh, nearly enough to salvage what I think has been a defense that has a lot of talent, but it's just not being effective. So if the defense thinks uh, the offense isn't quite right. They're going to have to produce, keep trying to score points like we saw against the commanders last week, and you get production just by default, even if you're trailing. So uh, I, I like Marvin Mims because he's cheaper, uh, and I think there's certainly a possibility that Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton could get traded midseason, and then Marvin Mims becomes very easily a wide receiver two or flex start every week.
1: One of the big injuries in the first week of the season was to J.K. Dobbins and, and Baltimore. And, and, Joe, we've noticed that it seems like Baltimore going a little bit more pass-oriented, still running some of the, the read option stuff, still running some of that RPO, but but Lamar maybe trying to transition away from running just so much. How does that affect his fantasy value and, and some of the other running backs, wide receivers, everything going on in Baltimore?
8: Yeah, and the big key actually might be, at least for this week, that Justice Hill uh, was a DMP on today's practice report. There are some signs that maybe he would be missing um, Sunday's contest as well, too. So it would be just uh, Gus Edwards and then pieces, whether it be Melvin Gordon. They re-signed um, a veteran running back. That I'm, my name is escaping me, but I don't think he's super relevant. Just an indication that Justice Hill might might also be missing some time, too. Yeah, I mean, this is Todd Munkin's offense now. I mean, that that was part of... The big sell for the Ravens, and if you were drafting Lamar Jackson, and if you had confidence of Mark Andrews in the early third round, that hey, they are not going to pass. It's not going to be using Patrick Ricard, fullback slash deep to tackle twenty snaps. You're going to do actually relevant 2023 offense, which is great, and what should have been happening five years ago. But the Ravens were stupid, and Ted uh, uh, Harbaugh was really dumb with his coordinators. Like a lot of coordinators uh, and head coaches seem to be in the NFL today. I, I'm excited, um, and I don't think that Odo Beckham's injury, he also was limited to practice or a dmp one day changes too much for me. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the better quarter, uh, quarterbacks and pastors, specifically in the NFL, and nobody really wants to talk about that. Uh, he's never been in a system that was going to allow him to showcase that consistently other than his MVP season. So, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this. Zay Flowers sure seems to be uh, dynamic as well, too. I was completely out on him this year. I think it's something about the small receivers who are quick that I just can't get, because I was never in on Debo Samuel uh, as well, and Debo proved me wrong immediately. Feels like Zay Flowers is doing the same thing. I think Rashad Bateman's really talented, too, so long as he stays healthy. So why, why shouldn't the Ra- uh, Ravens pass the ball up? They've got a lot of great weapons. And like you mentioned, they're missing a few running backs already. So I think the scheme finally is tailoring to Lamar Jackson being a passer, and he still has that rushing threat, which I think now makes that offense one of the better ones altogether in
1: the league. Are you in and out or in or out on uh, two Monday night games going on simultaneously?
8: <laughs> uh, I am in if they're good games. I don't need to watch bad teams play other bad teams. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny Pickett and Bryce Young. You guys stink. Get them off my screen. Why do I have to watch Kenny Pickett again this week? We, we three straight primetime games for late afternoon. He's awful. I'm done watching <laughs> Kenny Pickett. Can we please move past that? Uh, decision-makers, no, give me good games, uh, good talent at quarterback, and not just, hey, this defensive player made a big play. That's how the team's going to win the game. And, again, I would be all for uh, two Monday Night Football games. It's better than two Thursday games, I guess I'd say that.
1: Yeah, the the quality of play on Thursdays has always been rough, and uh, and also I, I fill you there with in terms of Zach Wilson. That's why I'm wanting just any storyline, whether it makes sense for the Jets <laughs> or not. Like I don't care if they resurrect Matt Ryan or or do literally anything, Carson Wentz. A, anything Carson wins anything other than. Uh, than Zach Wilson for five more primetime games. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. What do you and the fellows at RotoWire have uh, in store for the next couple weeks?
8: Yeah, the the big day was yesterday for me, obviously, the Jerome Ford situation and the Brown situation. Probably going to be one of our most listened to Wave Aware podcasts. Uh, you can listen to that anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just search RotoWire Fantasy Football. Um, we talk about everything, you know, from from fab budgets to Wave Aware priority, what do you do with Kareem Hunt if you were to sign, stuff like that. So we got you covered on all angles. And then last night I posted my big betting sheet on Twitter. Uh, I go through every over-under, all the uh, totals as well, talk about some best bets as well. I mean, that was trending pretty well uh, on the social media platforms at least earlier uh, earlier today. So uh, if you're interested in the gambling part of things or even uh, just I uh, hate watching Daniel Jones and Kenny Pickett, I did rant about that in the article too, you can read about that. Um, and yeah, we get. More more audio stuff to come. Serious XM on Friday and Thursday, um, which would be great. I like doing those during the game. We talk about the fantasy angle but stuff of the game. So that's always fun. Lot lot on tap this week.
1: He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, again, as always, the time's very much appreciated. Uh, we hope that the primetime football is is better uh, this coming weekend and we'll talk to you again next week.
8: All right, sounds good. Thanks guys.
1: That is Joe Barnell of Rotowire again with us today on Sports Talk. We're going to take another timeout. Back with more on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show right after this.
0: Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion. and You are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. Another nine or ten minutes left in this show today. Again, coming up, 6 o'clock, so under half an hour, the high school coaches show right here on Tiger 95.9. Brooks Childress is out at the end zone barn grill with all of your favorite high school coaches across the area. That will be coming on again 6 o'clock till about 8 or 830 Uh, And uh, gonna have a good time out there at the end zone bar and grill. Ryan and Cam with you here for another segment here or so though, just talk to Joe Barnell of Roto Wire. Appreciate him coming on each and every week. There was a lot of interesting NFL stuff. There's a bunch of there's four there's four teams in the NFC that are two and right now. I can see how one of them would be 2-0. I can see how a second one would be 2-0, but I don't think they're very good. But you've got a combo of Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay – they're all 2 0, that are, again, it, either Atlanta or New Orleans would come out okay because they're going to win the division and, and win about 10 games or so. So, again, not right. one, one of those as an individual, not a big deal, but the collective of three NFC South teams, 2 0, plus a Washington, 2 0. Oh, it's really?
2: How many? Because you have. The yeah. Cowboys and the Eagles Well, too.
1: those are real those teams. Are- <laughs> yeah, no, no, those are, <laughs> those are real the, yeah, no, teams. Yeah, no, I'm saying that, you know, between I'm saying but NFC South, one of those teams Falcons right, or right, Saints right, will end right. up being solid, uh it's not really the not NFC Cowboys South level, but NFC East, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what and, I was going and, towards. And so I was trying to figure out like have you is have you gained any confidence in someone like the Commanders? Have you gained any confidence in in any of these teams? I mean, I know you've gained a little confidence in Atlanta. I know I, I have a lot of confidence yeah, in it. Yeah, but and but again, I you picked in the one division. I picked in the one right, division. Right. So I'm not. Am I saw Green Bay beat Chicago easily, and I thought one of two things. Sorry to uh, board up TP right now. I said either Green Bay has just informed Chicago that they are their father, right, or Chicago is just truly bad, and Green Bay is not real, right it chicago looks truly bad maybe green bay ends up fine
2: right um i don't think i didn't think that, and they i mean for green bay's point and i know they i mean they lost to the falcons by one they led for most of the game they were also missing their number one wide receiver and number one running uh-huh. back so you wonder yeah. if that definitely i mean i think that absolutely plays a mm-hmm. uh, plays a part because they lost a passing threat in Aaron Jones that AJ Dillon just isn't. Right. And then obviously, you know, you have Chris, Christian Watson. So, you know, the, not having those two guys I think was highly impactful sure. for their game plan. They still had guys that were able to go out and catch the ball and two get two names that I had never heard of in my <laughs> entire life, but hey, you know, yeah, more power to them. Yeah, more power to them They're in the NFL for a reason, hey. Whatever. Um so I think they will be fine i don't i am not going to sit here and say i know how many games they're going to win um, Right. but you know i mean jordan love looks relatively legit confident, yeah. yeah i mean he, this, he looks fine
1: am i going too much here i know tp will will either go yes or no right does does his throwing motion remind you a little bit of rodgers a little bit, yes. Does Low it look key. like he kind of whips it a little yes, bit like he, that?
2: He they actually did it uh, during the game. They did a comparison, actually, like side by side. Jordan Love threw it off
1: like uh-huh. one leg, yeah, it
2: just like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it
1: seriously did. It's got a it's got yeah, a hint I mean, of that. Shoot, it when does. you look,
2: when you learn under the guy for for as long as he right. did, you're gonna pick up the tendencies and habits and and you're gonna kind of think the way that he thinks. He was talking about uh, they were talking about how Jordan Love he was doing some interview and he was like, Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was just taught me so much, and he was talking about how uh, checkdowns are your best friend. And geez, did Jordan love
1: checkdowns uh-huh. so much? You know, there's he's... a balance to it, right? But but people don't. It's not sexy. No. But again, that's where quarterbacks get in trouble because at a certain level, it stops being about accuracy because most guys are accurate. There's right. only like four or five starters in the NFL where I question their accuracy. Right. The rest of them throw picks because either a DB made a great play, a wide receiver dropped one into the defensive hands or Got you forced it. yes. And so that forcing stops happening if you will accept that on first and ten you can take the five yard play right. that yes, I ran a play action cross to try and pick up 25. yeah, but five keeps me going forward right. Or if it's second and nine and I or or second and two rather and you were, again, trying to play action deep ball somebody, let me swing it to my running back, and let's see if we get that first down. Yeah. Live to play another down. Or chuck it away. That That kind of stuff – is what the young guys sometimes struggle to do. It's exactly what I want to see
2: from Desmond Ritter, in all honesty. That man should have had. Uh, he had one pick. He should have had three. Oh, really? One of them should have been a pick six. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> like, got so focused on trying to make a play. Right. Right. Forced a ball that was absolutely not open. You have Jair Alexander just sitting in the zone right there. Drake London runs a little hitch route, throws it right to him. Thank God Jair is, is a corner, not a, uh-huh. not a wide receiver. He drops the ball, but that would have been six. And then he had another one that he forced in the middle um, where I want to say it was Quay, Quay Walker came. He, he was back in coverage, and uh, Dez tried to force it over the middle. It was just, just wasn't there. It just wasn't there at all. And, I mean, I know it, it was his sixth career start, so you, you kind of look at it. I still see him as a rookie. I just – I mean, he's he, – you you haven't even completed a full season yet. You've already got just two games on your belt at the at the end of last season. So, just as as long as he tends to develop and learn from those mistakes, that's all I want to see. That's all that I want to see. So, I'm I'm this game against the Lions is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it could either be a slugfest or end up being like extremely high scoring. Um, I'm not sure which yet, but. Uh, we'll see. The Lions are pretty banged up, so yeah. that 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 plays the Falcons' favor. So we'll see. But um, yeah, it, it's it's been a been a fun season so far. Two and baby. Yeah, again, I'm living for it.
1: Some some different teams than what we're accustomed to. Two and for sure. Uh, meanwhile, a team like the Bengals expected a lot of them. owing two. Chargers. Brandon Saley's still there, so they're 0 and two. You like that? Just threw that entirely on him, whether it's justified or not. <laughs> Just like. Yeah, brain is daily. I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're down to the last minute or two of the show. I got a couple more minutes left, so I'll get the night TV nightly TV guy here in just a minute. Um, I can tell you this from again talking about quarterback play that, and we made the joke with Joe. He's certainly out on Kenny Pickett already. Yeah, I reserve the right to wait a second full year if if your team around you is pretty decent. Um and, and you're and you're stinking up that that becomes a, that issue. a clearer issue. Right. Uh, obviously, if you've got no talent around you, like you know Bryce Young's already getting beat up in Carolina, and <sighs> mm-hmm. they have no line, and their best receiver was at Adam his Thielen. best four years ago. Yeah. So I'm not sure that those are fair situations to, to grade in first year, but certainly I like to give quarterbacks two. So pick it. I'll give him this year before I start yeah. to go in on him like Joe did, but I I, I am serious about Zach Wilson. I would I, I don't care if this if Philip Rivers <laughs> who's been retired for two years. I, I Roethlisberger. I, don't, I will out? literally bring anyone out there to just play. Competent. It doesn't have to be competent. I don't care if it's competent. I want to see. I want to see them either try to be good at quarterback or be sucky in a different way. Right. I'm tired of watching Zach Wilson suck it up. So that's the one thing I want out of that. I I agree. Uh, Other quarterbacks, though. I'm sorry to TP. I told you earlier, the worst quarterback I've seen live in the NFL, and this includes Mariota. I'm not from afar. We know what Mariota is, and he's worse. But. In person, the worst quarterback I saw was Justin Fields. This year, I saw some things that were better, but all of his problems swung way the other way. In 2021, when I saw him, it was he was really jumpy. His footwork was off. Got to throw it. Here's a fastball. No, you needed to change up. Oh, no, that's not accurate. Right. What? No, there's no pressure. Why are you throwing it so quick? Just, just jumpy, right. jumpy, kind of just anxious. This time, it was – all right, Justin. It's been three seconds. It's been five seconds. What, Justin? Justin, no! Don't go towards the big guy. Don't go towards the big guy. Oh no! Sick. Oh no! Yeah. Uh, and then it would be like, oh, he's still sitting there. He's still sitting there. He's still sitting there. Oh, then he threw it, and it was. To no one in particular. And it's just they they have seemed to coach him into a place where yeah. they basically told him, you will not run. Yeah. You will not run. You will that. stay in I the mean, pocket. He kind
2: of alluded to that today and obviously it was all over all the social media platforms. He was talking about, well, maybe it's coaching. And then he kind of had to retract a little yeah. bit and say, you can't say what that, what but meant. he's right. Yeah, he's right. He's right because it's like he's like he was like well this week I'm gonna go out and, and play like myself and play how I know how to play and it's like okay all right, good do it I, so
1: I better see fifteen runs by though. all means so I, I, and here's I the other, here's purposes. the only messed up thing so he had a touchdown run but it was on a scramble and it it was right. kind of designed to roll out a little bit yeah they had I think one design QB run it was QB sweep the outside which is like the one play and against no, Tampa's really work. fast linebackers that right. is not the best run play for a quarterback when I'm just it was the Ashford swinging gate play where yeah. it's just like you're pulling guards and stuff be sweep and with no misdirection at all and it's like guess what and this will shock you but the 4-4 linebacker was actually yeah. able to get to the corner yeah, and yeah. did not allow Absolutely. you to get around that so uh, anyway uh, that was a side about some poor quarterback play tomorrow on the show we will be previewing some good college football games and Yay. also some good NFL games and some good teams Yay. we'll do the good stuff tomorrow Woo. final minute of the show though today we'll do some more of that on friday though don't worry it's a good Uh, friday yes uh so time for
0: a real quick nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide no music
1: today because I got to go real quickly here. But the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Women's College Volleyball, 6 o'clock. Number 14, Tennessee, taking on Missouri. is not where they are ranked. That is on ESPN 2. WNBA Playoffs, Connecticut Sun, Minnesota Lynx, 7 o'clock on ESPN. And you got movie picks Unstoppable, 7 o'clock on AMC. I really enjoyed that movie. The Amazing Spider Man 2, 7 p.m. on Freeform. And The Kingsman, 7 o'clock on. On HBO, it's so good, and uh, that's a good movie slate. I, I will not it. be watching the sports there, but that's a good movie slate. Yeah. <laughs> take take a breather before Thursday night football and for all the college football this weekend, that sort of stuff. But that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Cam Barry, thank you very much for being here today. We look forward to seeing you again on Friday. Yeah, glad to be here. See you on Friday. Of course, we want to remind everyone to stay right here to listen to the High School Coaches Show coming up at six o'clock from the End Zone Bar and Grill with Brooks Childress on the call there that will do it for the show here this afternoon though as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in and appreciate joe bartle of rotowire for joining us as well for cam Barry and for tp hammock who was running the board i'm ryan the have a great wednesday night and we'll talk to you again tomorrow